0: at Whalen Bay will make sure your boat is rigged correctly and in a timely manner. You can do all this at Whalen Bay in St. Augustine located at 845 State Road 207 or give them a call at 217-3778 or visit WhalenBayMarine.com. Whalen Bay Marine, your authorized dealer for Tracker Boats, Nitro, Sun Tracker, Tahoe, Mako, and now your full line of Ranger Boats. And remember, every day is a boat show at Whalen Bay Marine. the nimic chevrolet outdoor show brought to you by duck duck rooter and we are and we, you know we're, we're kind of like the traveling band now we, we have been you know we have been we're it's live the, in atlanta 2023
1: Marine. world tour
0: it is the world tour i i, I think that that's that's fantastic and uh, hey, ex- excited about being here um i know the show brett put on last year with the food and the prizes and, and we're, literally we're looking at the prizes, Chris. We're going. Are you sure?
1: Well, we got to tell them where we are.
0: Yeah, I said Atlantic Coast Marine. Okay,
1: Atlantic Coast Marine. Yeah, okay. on Atlantic
0: Boulevard, on Atlantic right? Atlantic Boulevard. The okay, and let's get the, back
2: to the important stuff. Uh, prizes, prizes. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: on the at the foot of the Atlantic, uh, I guess uh, the Intercoastal Bridge, prizes. Yeah, the, uh, the Intercoastal
2: Waterway. Yeah. Okay, prizes, prizes, So prizes.
1: if you're if you're looking to find us, okay, it's prizes, the southwest prizes. corner,
2: Chris. Get to uh, the, the prizes! You're killing me, Chris. You're <laughs> giving me a headache, and it's not even daybreak yet. Uh, it's
1: before you go over the the Intercoastal Bridge, headed towards <laughs> the beach. It's on your right hand side. It uh, and there's your tattoo place right there, so you can come on in, hang out, get a tattoo. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Maybe win but, a prize. Uh, but Brett has given away a ton of stuff. I know he's got food.
2: Yep. Yeah, we got barbecue.
1: Barbecue going We're today. Fire up the barbecue. He said there's like a whole tub of banana. pudding. Banana
2: pudding. pudding. um, yeah, it's going to be really nice.
1: And they got they got a lot of great boats here. I mean, they got the full lines of Pathfinder, Hughes, Maverick, Cobia, Cobia, which is a great boat. Love pe- a lot of people like that to go offshore. Everglades, and then yeah, and Everglades. Man, that's uh, in fact. Uh, my buddy Danny's got that one. He loves it. He swears up and down. That's one of the best boats he's ever had. Yep, I remember when he got it. So uh, so folks, uh, come on out because they're giving away. A bunch of stuff, uh, including four outboards. Don't Say that again. Yes, you heard that right. Four outboards. Yeah,
2: we're going to raffle those off. Five dollars a ticket. It's for the Young Life Christian organization. Asking for a donation. Yep, asking for a donation. So,
1: and uh, so you got four outboards. There's a, a four, a six, an eight, and a fifteen. Okay. Pretty sweet. Which is amazing, and then a uh, stiffy hybrid push pole. Yep. One hundred hour services. That's plural. Many of them. uh, I'm sitting here looking at four $200 gift cards to Strike Zone, which are going to be given away, and a motor guide trolling motor. Yes, a motor guide trolling motor.
2: (laughs) Which ain't cheap either.
1: So that's one, two, three, four outboards, a push pole, multiple 100-hour services, uh, four $200 Strike Zone gift cards, and a motor guide trolling motor, and all we're asking for is a donation to a charity. And you get your name in the bucket, which will be uh, drawn around, I guess, around lunchtime. So when the barbecue's ready, I find can, out I'll, if you're going to win.
0: I will have a few cards in there. Uh, so why? Yeah. I. <laughs> I, I think I will grab a couple. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got some money in my wallet. I do, too. I do, too. I actually worked this week. So. And here but I am, we have,
1: stuck here. Yeah, you're yeah, stuck there. We, we have uh, also today, while we're here... Mm-hmm. Dr. Quentin White, the executive director of Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute, is going to be joining us here. So uh, if you've got questions and you want to uh, ask Dr. Quentin White, come on by because he's going to be here from 8 to 10, and he's going to be, uh, we've we got a lot of questions for him. Especially yeah. about uh, uh, some of the recent happenings around.
2: Yeah. Well, and and really, uh, you know, I, I looked at the construction on Wednesday of the uh, O Search facility right there where you used to In be Mayport? the Mayport, uh, the Mayport Ferry office, and they're progressing very well with the dock. And I'm telling you, the dock's uh, facility itself is going to be really nice. Yeah, and see, and I mean, I, nice. I would,
1: and also, I, I'm looking forward to talking to them about. What's kind of been going on in our area specifically, uh-huh. but then also with this big seaweed patch. I was yeah. just
0: getting ready to ask you, sargassum mm-hmm. weed in, in, in Mayport? Not yet. Old dude, St. Augustine? showing up. Uh, uh, honest to goodness, I couldn't, I couldn't fish a creek the other day. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, Yeah, I'm we like, haven't
2: seen it. Well, you know, I haven't fished for a couple of days, but, uh, but I haven't seen it there yet. Oh, it's. it's at all. all. I,
0: I had to clear the ramp yesterday. You're because you know, me. no, 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 seriously, I had to clear the ramp because you know, when it, you can't pull a boat out with seaweed, it's tire spin. Oh, oh wow, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, so, so I'm, I'm out there, you know, I, and I had this huge get the broom? pile <laughs> pushed on, <laughs> on both sides of my truck. Wow, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's no joke and it's nothing compared to what they're having in the south, man. I mean, um, I, I've got uh, um, Cap Scott Shanks nephew runs charters out of Key West and he's I'll show you the picture it's just they, they can't hardly crank up those big boats because it's sucking up so much seaweed and I've stuff. seen a lot of wow. pictures on yeah. the internet yeah.
2: of, of people that are posted on Facebook and Instagram and it's amazing the amount of, of seaweeds that are getting up into the canals yeah and up into the marinas yeah the guys are dropping their boats in the water, and they're having to clear the lower units right. so they can start the motors.
1: Well, the st- they say that the stench of that stuff it's awful. is just yeah. Yeah,
2: terrible. Well, and it can be toxic. I was reading something online, too, about the fact that it's kind of like the, not like the red-tied algae, but there's some similarity because it does exude some kind of toxic uh, odor or whatever, mm-hmm. so it can, be, it can be hazardous to humans if it's too thick. Wow. Yeah. So. All right.
1: Well, uh, I tell you what. Let's uh, let's knock the tides and the weather report out early this morning here. Atlantic Coast Marine again at the foot of the Intercoastal Bridge. Just, that's on the west side of the Intercoastal Bridge. Let's do a tides report brought to you by Angie Sub, the best sub chop in Jacksonville. If you haven't been there, uh, get one of the name subs. Can get, I tell a
0: quick story about Angie? Get
1: the crispy French fries. I would make that suggestion. Yes.
0: So fishing with Dr. Crossgo yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Did,
1: did he show up with Angie subs?
0: No. It's, I love it's, Dr. Carrasco. Yeah, he's a good so, dude. So his son, his oldest son, Steve, mm-hmm. lives somewhere like in the vicinity okay. of Angie subs. And, and I, I, we're just fishing. So he starts talking to his buddy, Ricky, who, and he's, he's like, man, have you ever been? So,
1: so Doc and his buddy, Ricky, are fishing. So Doc's so son so, is, is so not fishing.
0: No, no. So, so what I'm saying is Doc, Steve, Greg, they're all fishing. Okay. But Steve just starts talking about Angie Subs. Okay. And I'm just listening. Unsolicited. Totally unsolicited. Okay. Ask him if you've been to the, it's Angie Subs place and he goes he goes they have a Peruvian. He said that, <laughs> that he said literally he said I, I get the the hankering for and I have to go. He goes and he goes, "Have you ever had their french fries?" <laughs> I mean, they're talking. I'm like, does he uh, not know that it's uh, a sponsor said, of ours? So I literally look at Doc, and he <laughs> looks at me, starts laughing. I said, "That's a damn commercial right there." <laughs> <laughs> taped it. So, so I should have. Yeah. That's funny.
1: Yes. Classic. All right. So, well, the tides for today at Mayport at 4:44 uh, a.m. was a low tide. That was a negative 0.12. 11:06 a.m. coming up as a high tide. That's a 4.45. And this afternoon at 4:41. You're gonna have a low tide, and that is a negative point one three, and that's your tide report. Brought to you each and every week by Angie Subs, and then a weather report brought to you by the best barbecue in Jacksonville, and that's the Bearded Pig. And I will tell you, uh, I just got back from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You know what they they like for barbecue?
2: It's not. It's yeah. You, it's you know not what they like use? A, yeah, these vinegar. It's mutton. Mutton.
1: They like mutton the barbecue is
2: the Carolinas. What? Yeah. yeah. That's new to me. That's like their specialty. Ba- yeah. Ba- <laughs> Where are we going? Bad. <laughs> Baby. Okay. Okay.
1: Anyway, uh, here's the synopsis. A cold frontal boundary will approach from the west today and cross the local waters late this evening. That's funny. Small craft conditions possible after midnight. And what does that mean for us? Uh, today, south winds around 10 knots, becoming southeast in the afternoon, seas two to four feet. Tomorrow, northeast, 15 to 20 knots, diminishing to 10 to 15 in the afternoon, 3 to 5 feet. Monday, northeast winds around 10 knots, 2 to 3 feet. Tuesday, east winds 10 to 15 knots, east 2 to 3. Wednesday, south winds 10 to 15 knots. And then, you know, to keep an an eye out because Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it looks like there's a chance of thunderstorms nearly every day. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think they've got a chance of 60% chance of rain today. Yeah. There's a front line pushing right, on us yeah. now.
1: With the rain coming in.
2: Yeah, it's going to drop the temperatures down from high of 85 today to 76 tomorrow. With the so. northeast wind, that's cold. Yeah. 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 yeah, That'll be a little bit chilly. Yeah, the ocean's not going to be too friendly this week. You're going to have maybe Tuesday, maybe yeah, Wednesday. The
0: ocean not, hasn't
2: been friendly in weeks. We had one day this week on Wednesday, that ocean was flat as a pancake. It was gorgeous out there um get some fish yeah Wednesday was good Tuesday stunk it was just there's no way to describe it it <laughs> yeah. just stunk yeah I, I I don't I don't know we've talked about it a lot there's a lot of people fishing Huh. Oh. I don't know what they're doing how they make a living I wish I could figure that yeah. out I, but there's a lot of folks fishing yeah. and doesn't seem like they're working yeah I, well, have we got
1: a lot of people living in in the area now Kirk I, I mean it's just part of the deal bro I,
0: I, I, it I, is you're I was, right you know, I was talking to Leon called me one evening and he's like man I," he goes they're just not biting and i said leon they're just not there <laughs> you know you can't you, you, we all can't keep fishing the same place well leon at, was
1: it, it, he, leon was texting me and he wasn't fishing he was he was uh, eyeballing a menu at a steakhouse he yeah. was asking me what he needs to get yeah I was like, well, he's living right. He
2: mm-hmm. called oh, yeah. me twice this week, and we never connected, so I don't know what. Yeah, it, it's just—he uh, <laughs> must have been bored. I don't know. It's
0: just it, look, it, it's times have changed. It's like what you just said. I mean, well, you know, and, and the April of of what we used to remember—it's not. It's, we we've talked about this the last five or six years. You know, we you just can't get offshore in April anymore. The wet, the the yeah. that onshore wind and Jeff. Even if it's only 10 to 15 out of the southeast, if it's 10 to 15 all day and night, you're not getting yeah. offshore with... with no, not only it's going to beat you up some. Yeah.
1: Some. Some. Yeah. It's going to beat you I up. I can some. tell you this, uh, Kirk. Um, I went that one day offshore with Kevin, mm-hmm. okay, and for the next couple of days, my neck... And back, were stiff.
2: You told me Saturday you said you were eating Advil <laughs> I'm, for I'm breakfast. Not, I'm not
1: joking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, you know, and, and so what you're talking about, when you get 10 to 15 like right. that, that's not fun. No. That's not fun when you no. go off into that.
2: No. We call that a B-bay,
1: BBAW. Yeah, absolutely. B Bay boat. I got eh. the A-whipping. Whipping. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> got eh. you. I got you now. Yeah. I got some stories to share, too, by the way. I just got back it looks like it. from I, Kentucky. Yeah. You Congratulations, you, you, yeah, by you, the way. And yeah. had a ball and a big thank you to my wife because she was the one who lined this up. Birthday present? Uh, Christmas present. Yeah, kind of a, a birthday present. And and so I was incredibly thankful because she did all of this on her own. And she She's known for years that I've always wanted to go to Tennessee or Kentucky and turkey hunt. Mm-hmm. And so she lined this up. Nice. And because Kentucky is known and it's famous for the bourbon trail, she kind of did this as a... Joint vacation, so me and and her, and then my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Brad and and Becca, we went, mm-hmm. hopped in the vehicle, and uh, we loaded it up. And then when I say we loaded it up, man, did we load it up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I know when I travel with my wife, it was a few lot days of luggage. Trip, it was a lot of stuff it in there. A lot car. of luggage. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we went to Kentucky, and we did uh, kind of a combination thing. We turkey hunted in the morning, and then we did the Bourbon Trail in the afternoon. And it was it was awesome. Nice. It was awesome. Weather. Uh, the weather was the first day that we actually turkey hunted. It was it was windy. And, uh, in, at first in the morning it started out fine and then the wind picked up and then it was gusting the 30. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the when it gets to that point, I mean, it's hard to hear anything, right. but the great thing is, is about the train that we were hunting at at bourbon trail outfitters with, with Andy Matherly, the terrain made it to where you could, you could see birds. You could glass. Yeah. You could use your glasses. You could, and mm. I didn't bring mine. So I, Andy was great and he let me borrow a, a pair of his, uh, Uh, binoculars and they were fantastic but you could see birds and so that is kind of similar to Nebraska and you guys have heard Mm -hmm. me talk about Nebraska for many years and that you love hunting places like that because you you can see birds and then you can call and you can see how they react or how they don't react and so you can always adjust and and we had in the first morning Andy was like you know hey I'll put you out and you know, i know you like to hunt alone and, and i said no i said i want you to come i mean that way that I'll, the first day you know kind of want to get the lay of the land sure
0: absolutely you know sure. so
1: having somebody with you uh i think it makes it easier and and andy was great i mean uh, i mean you talk about two guys that were you know talking about everything not mm-hmm. while we were hunting obviously but uh yeah. i mean great great guy we had a lot of lot in common and and so we had a lot of conversation but the first day we hunted together and we were you know side by side against the tree and there's a lot of kind of ridges uh, ridges spines mm-hmm. i guess you can say and then it drops down in those bottoms where you've got the little patches of hardwoods mm-hmm. and uh one place that we, the one place that we were at he said that the birds roost off of the property but then they come in and sometimes they roost on and so uh we actually didn't he- hear anything early the wind i think had right a lot to do with that and then all of a sudden i'm sitting there and then i look out of the corner of my eye here comes birds and i was like oh yeah here we go nice and, but the wind's picking up but i, I heard you know I heard the gobbler behind the three hens that i could actually see right did you have decoys out Yes, yeah, so Andy had these really nice decoys, and I, I don't know the exact name, brand of them. They're similar to the ones that I've talked about yep. a while back because I have that one realistic hen, and he has the, uh, the kind of the jake and then a uh, submissive hen that's yep. laying down on the ground. And uh, so these birds, they, we see them, and they cross a little bit farther away than we were kind of anticipating. And then after that, they work the spine ridge that's on, away from us. And now, so what kind
2: of elevation are we talking about? A couple hundred feet? As far as is the way it dropped down? Yeah. Because I, I know where we Yeah, hunted- 100
1: feet and some places more, Kirk, you right. know, if, if you went way down in some of these little valleys and stuff. And so imagine farm ground, and it's probably similar like this uh, in Kentucky and Missouri and, and a lot of other states that are over there where you have the crops are up on the top of the spines mm-hmm. and then it drops down into the hardwoods, down in the ravines and stuff. And mm-hmm. so – the, we saw these turkeys and they came in and they were stand kind of in this uh, bottom and, and I'm sure if it wasn't windy they would have been out on the signs sure. either where we were or the one that was opposite of us and and I called to him and you could see him react and at one point the wind was blowing pretty good and you could see him straight neck and which he was gobbling but uh, you couldn't couldn't hear it and. Uh, and he was just strutting with three hands, and, wow. and kept calling, kept calling. And then, you know, we'd see him for a while, and then he'd disappear in the brush. And uh, and I told uh, Andy, I said, I don't know if he's going to leave them girls and come with us. You know, got to call all of them. Right. And so we called and called, and finally, I just, you know, we we're kind of getting close to ten o'clock, and you know, it gets daylight there a little after six, and and i said um we probably ought to kind of ease out of here it's getting windy you know you right. want to hear the hear it and see it right. and, you yeah. know so so we'll come back tomorrow i know the lay of the land now and and he said well i'll sneak out there and get the, the and get decoys. the decoy right so he starts you know belly crawling out there to get them and then we're going to kind of run the fence away from where we last saw them right and he's about halfway out there, and I'm still kind of looking in that direction. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here comes three, up, Oh, there's three hens, heads, and then there's a gobbler headed at about 45 yards. Oh, and, I'm, and I'm he's like, out there in the middle. I'm like Andy, Andy, don't Freeze. move. And he turns and he looks at me, and I and I and I'm like cutting my eyes over there to him, not wanting to move my head. Right. And uh, and and he stops, and I said, oh, thank goodness. Maybe they'll just keep coming up because all they had to do was take a couple steps, and they right. would have a shot. And uh, and then Andy, because I didn't turn and look at him or didn't give him any hand signal or anything, said I, he must have been hearing something. Again, the wind's blowing 30.
0: Yeah, right oh, so yeah. he
1: starts going back to the belly crawl of the turkeys. They turn around and leave. And, oh. and uh, he comes back, and I was like, Andy, they were right there. He goes, you're kidding me. I was like, no, they were right there. And so we, uh, we get up to walk away. We thought we spooked them, and they literally just walked right down the hill uh-huh. maybe 10 yards and stayed right there. So, uh, so anyway, that was the day there, and, uh, and my brother-in-law, Brad, he's new to turkey hunting, and so he was hunting with, with Andy's nephew, Zach, and they had some great uh, encounters that morning, but uh, 85 yards was about as close as they right. could get them. So uh, just fast forward real quick to, to day two. I told Andy, I said, I'm going to go by myself. I, I I got it figured out. So he just dropped me off at this barn. I can find my way there. Well, he yeah. helped me carry some of the decoys and and uh, I got set up. And, and at daylight, I could hear a couple that were away from me straight away. And I was like, well, they're over there where he said they roost sometimes. Mm-hmm. And. And they came out on the spine. I got two gobblers out there, and I'm calling them, and they're back and forth and back and forth and fighting <laughs> Strutting each other. And, all. And, right. it, and And it's awesome. It's right. You know, it's 200 yards away. Right. And, nice. But they've got a, you know, 200, 250 yards away. And they went back and forth, up and down this spine. And I I know they got hens right on the other side. Sure they I, just can't, I can't see them. Right. And I'm sitting there, and I said, all right, I've called enough to them. And this is after a while. I've called enough to them. They know where I am. They're starting to work their way down. I said, I'm done. You know, if they want to. Find me. I'm, I'm staying here. Okay. I've, I've, they've heard enough. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm sitting real still. And I got a great little blind set up. And all of a sudden, <sighs> on my right, and I went, Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, How did they get there that fast? Right. And I kind of ease my head just real slow to cut my eyes. And there's two gobblers standing at 35 yards. And that's the two that I was calling, I thought. Uh. And then I look behind them. And there's two more at about 150 yards away. And one of them's in full strut, and the other one's tagging along. So I got two at 40. There's two more at 120, mm-hmm. 150. Nice. But then there's the two that are across from me that are still there. Wow. I got six long beards. Nice. And I'm going, uh, it's what I'm not going to move. I got the gun on the ground. And... The uh, the birds that are on my right, they looking at the decoys that I got, and and they kind of puff up a little bit, but they didn't get any kind of any craziness to them, and and uh, I eventually shot the one, and then didn't hit him great. He jumps up, flies. I hit him, dropped him on the fly. It was wing shot, mm-hmm. nice. And uh, I didn't ha- been there,
0: done that. Yeah, and yeah. I,
1: I had my I didn't carry my turkey gun that has the red dot scope. Right. I had my I brought a little twenty gauge Benelli uh-huh. just. Because of the essence of, you know, you're packed a bunch of stuff yep. in there. I didn't want to mess up my red dot stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's bigger. You know, it's easier to break down a little 20 gauge yep. Benelli. And uh, so I got a great bird. I mean, I mean, heavy. Yeah. You know, Kentucky birds are heavy, man. Big birds. I mean, 20, nearly 25 pounds. Wow. wow. I think it was 23 one. point wow. something that, or whatever on is the a scale. Big bird. Yeah. But, but I'm here to tell you uh, I'll, I'm going to sh- sh- share some stories when we get back. The. The lodge that we stayed at, at Bourbon Trail Outfitters. Nice man cave. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Right. Incredible. Nice. And uh, and it's a family operation. We had food. We had sat down and had dinner with them at night. They came over, and maybe the the sons and the daughter and the nephew were all there. It was just, man, it was an absolute, absolute ball. All right, we're going to take a break here in a second. But uh, when I come back, I'll share some other stories and also about the Bourbon Trail Outfitters Uh, and then also the Bourbon Trail itself.
0: And, uh, folks, uh, don't forget it's boating season. And, uh, hey, we couldn't be more excited for those of you that keep your boat on a lift, dry storage, or at a marina I'm here to tell you about a fantastic solution for your boat trailer, Stackham Storage. Our friends at Stackham Storage will pick up your trailer, store it in a secure facility out of the elements. The best part about Stackham Storage, team, will pick up and deliver your trailer when and where you need it at no cost. Your boat trailer will be protected, inspected, stored, and transported. You can take great care of your boat. Now you take great care of your trailer also. Go online at StackMstorage.com today, and your first month will only cost you a buck. That's stackimstorage.com, or call them at 962-9605. Use coupon code FAVER. That's F-A-V-E-R. And get your first month for a dollar.
1: All right, folks, and uh, don't forget, we are live at Atlantic Coast Marine. They've got lots of giveaways and barbecues starting at lunchtime. So if you want to be here to win something, come on by, make a generous donation, and then you're going to get your name in the bucket for four outboards, okay? Four $200 gift cards to Strike Zone, a motor guide, trolling motor, hybrid push-pull, and also... Bunch of gift cards for one hundred hour services on your outboard. Can't beat that. All right here at Atlantic Coast Marine, and you're listening to the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show brought to you by Duck Duck Rooter.
3: You know well I'm a chicken fried.
1: Beer hey, uh, a guy at consignment now. boat sales. He's got some bay boats now. Got a Sea Fox uh, 240 a Viper. What, you want a really
0: good deal on a Sea Fox, go by there and see it.
1: Mhm. Got <laughs> Pretty a sp- boat. Sportsman <laughs> 227 Masters. And these are used boats, folks, okay? So, uh, if you're in the market for used boats, save a little bit of money. They've got so he's got a Seapro Pro 228 Bay an Everglades 243, a Sea Hunt 20, a Shearwater 25, and he just listed a 2009 Pathfinder 2100. Uh, Fusion Bay with 75 hours on a Yamaha 225 four-stroke. So if you want to see these, just uh, go on by and see Guy out there at Mayport or go to jacksboating.com, or you can just call Guy at at 904-249-6225. All right, we're live at Atlantic Coast Marine at the foot of the Intercoastal Bridge before you head over to the beach. And uh, there's all kinds of things going on here today at Atlantic Coast Marine. They've got some giveaways. They've got some barbecue. And the giveaways: four outboard motors, four outboard motors, a motor guide, trolling motor, four gift cards, $200 each to strike zone, a stiffy hybrid, push pole, 100-hour services, and all you have to do is make a little contribution to a local charity, and then you're going to get your name in the bucket.
0: The motors are here. Yeah, they're here. Okay, you're walking I mean, yeah, out I mean, with You're, you're going to walk away today. Somebody, about four people are going to walk away with, a, with well, an outboard.
1: One of them's hanging right here behind us. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's nice. Oh, that's – brand new Yamaha outboard. Motor? Yeah, are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. Here's the great thing. If I'm hoping to win the eight, the F8, then I could have like maybe a little boat, and then uh, for 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 you know for a little getaway hideaway spots, you know hidey hole places. Yeah, and then maybe still be able to take it into Guana. Guana. Yeah. Right, because that's a, that's, that's a nine nine horsepower max, right? Nine nine or something, ten horsepower nine, nine. max. Nine yep. nine, yeah. Yep. So I mean, that eight man, that's that's right up my alley. Absolutely,
0: I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, man, I've got, I've got the little John boat at the property. I could slap that dude on there. And
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. man, be styling. So, so man. Uh, just uh, take you back to Kentucky yeah. real quick. The, the 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 outfitter place with, with Andy Matherly and, and here's a great thing: his wife can
0: cook. Man,
1: mm. I mean, you talk about cook. You
0: know, uh, you can't be an outfitter without a cook.
1: Yeah, you got to have You know good. what I mean?
0: I mean, have you ever yeah. been to uh, – uh, because we haven't been to very many outfitters. No. I'll be face. But, but seriously, quail hunts. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you know, the lunch. The lunch? Yeah. I mean, it's always like, oh, well, my God, good. <laughs> you know, when I remember
2: Mark Hayward, he was running Cracker Swamp. Yep. The one thing that he had that was a huge positive, that girl that he had down there cooking for him. Mm-hmm. She was outstanding. That's what I'm saying. Every, I mean, every, if you have a good camp cook, yeah, doesn't get any better. So the, no. the
1: great thing is, is that we were eating some of the flair of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first night we had browns. You ever heard of browns?
4: Browns. Heard of it. It's
1: kind of like a toasted Texas toast, and then it's like an open face sandwich. Okay, so you think about this. Okay, so you got the Texas toast, and then you got... A uh, carved turkey, mm. and then this kind of white gravy, oh. and and then bacon on top. Mm. And uh, this is, I guess, uh, something they serve also at the Kentucky Derby. Open face sandwich. It's yeah, it's an open face sandwich, and man, so you eat it's with a knife browns. and a fork. Yeah, and we're gonna give the recipe away today in the cool. uh, Kirby Co. cooking tip of the week because it's a very simple thing and it's uh it's easy to make, but man, it's delicious. And then another night we had homemade lasagna. Look, I'm picky when it comes to lasagna. I mean, I mean, yeah. all lasagnas are not good, right? No, this lasagna that Melinda made was money. A lot of ricotta in it and uh, good Kirk, cheese. Kirk, it was the perfect balance because right. that's what a lasagna's mm. got to have balance, right? It does. You got to have a balance of the pasta, the meat, <laughs> and the cheese. I'm with you. Right? I hate it when
2: it's got just too much pasta, too much cheese, yeah. or too much yeah. pasta. I'm with you.
1: I don't know if there's such a thing as too much meat. Right. Lasagna, I, I'm kind of as long owned. as it's
2: got sauce.
1: Yeah, you got to have the yeah. balance of sauce. Though, if you just got meat, it gets kind of dry, you know. And then we had steaks that were actually local from some of the cows Sweet. right down the road, and, and tender. Oh man, tender. Nice. Yes. Um, but uh, but the cool cool place is the the nice thing about this place is is that you can kind of combine, or you could do it solo. But they have the hunting. But then they're surrounded by all of the distilleries. Oh, yeah. Of Kentucky. Right. Okay. So they you can do a a a bourbon tr- bourbon trail and turkey hunt. You can do a deer hunt and a bourbon trail. Mm-hmm. You can go there and just do a bourbon trail. Andy's got a one of those um buses. One of those buses that's like a 12-15 passenger bus. And mm-hmm. so if you had a group of couples that went there and just wanted to go do the bourbon trail, you stay at his place. At that beautiful right. lodge. And then they, he they, ubers
0: they, everybody. They, the,
1: then they they they'll take you to all the different forty one distilleries that are available to tour in Kentucky. So
0: it's okay to sample.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then you got a driver. <laughs> you got a driver. That's yeah. my yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> so what we did is we turkey hunted in the morning, and then we went and toured the different distilleries. I've never done this, and I don't look. I, I, I learned a lot of this stuff, and I'm not an expert on it by any means, just because I just went and did this. But just to give people an idea, I never knew that. All bourbons are whiskeys, but not all whiskeys are bourbons. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Okay. My
2: son is a big bourbon. He he knows all about that. Special reserves and all that other stuff. Bourbon
1: has this requirement, okay? Uh, whiskeys don't have a lot of these requirements. Bourbon has to be 51% corn. Out of the grains, okay, because they use a lot of different grains. They use corn, they use wheat, they use barley, they use rye. Mm -hmm. That's why you got rye whiskey, right? Right. So, But a a bourbon has to be 51% corn. It has to be aged in a white oak barrel, Mm -hmm. okay, that's uh, only been used one time. Right. You get one use out of it. Aged for how long? Uh, the, the, there's no minimum requirement. Okay. 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 They're different, uh, right. years for different, uh, bourbons.
2: Yeah. Sometimes they will do it 20, 30 years.
1: The maximum, um, uh, alcohol content going into the barrel has to be one can't be over that. Okay. it have the minimum has to be 80. Okay. And then it, uh, uh it can't have any other additives. So water can be added to cut it. If it comes out of the, out of your, uh, distillery, and it's more than 120, you cut it with water, but it has to be completely pure water, which is the big... That's why all these distilleries are in Kentucky, because they have limestone-filtered water naturally. I didn't know that.
2: (sighs) Now, is it mineral water? I mean... No. Is that what they no, 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 no,
1: no, because minerals are, are a foreign substance. Right. So okay. again, you can't add anything to this.
2: So it's got to be bourbon. purified water. It has
1: to be purified, like reverse osmosis water, whatever they do to it to make right. sure it's pure. But they get that water, and that's why Kentucky makes this bourbon and, and whiskey and stuff is because the water there is is i guess second to none because of the lime mm-hmm. rock filtration naturally that happens mm-hmm. and uh and i might have missed something there on the requirements of the bourbon but all of those things have to be done and then they put them in these barrels and then they age them for quite some time and that's when bourbon goes into the barrel it's white and then it gets its color from the actual from the From the white oak, right. The aging process and the the barrels themselves they burn them on the inside for about a 50 seconds, sometimes 30 seconds before they put anything in it. So it's uh, it's like a char. Yeah, it gets a tannic look. Yeah, and that's where you get the colors from the wood and the aging process and. And uh, and then they store them in these rick houses that are these giant commercial. Yeah, that's the thing that blew me Billions. away yeah. when I you know when I was researching it because Kyle uh,
2: he wanted for his birthday last year, Dad, I want a special batch, reserve. And I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about, you know. So <laughs> I'm like, like Himalayan coffee. Yeah, I'm on my laptop googling <laughs> all this stuff, trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. And they've got these giant block houses. Just
1: big old warehouses. they're called Rick houses, yeah, and they just put all these barrels in there and they leave them it, it's literally the, the and these rick houses are are built out of wood, okay, so yeah. now you got you got whiskey or bourbon okay yeah. flammable lots. wood yeah. structured building, lots of flammable <laughs> so they have a lot of lightning rods that are all tied in with these huge Thick stainless steel cables right that are grounding any lightning strike that could potentially strike one of these rick houses because I mean you want to talk about going poof,
0: yeah oh, I mean yeah. these places it's, could and, go it, poof, and major money loss too yes yes yeah.
1: yes, and so uh, so it's neat, <clears throat> but it, what's cool and, and is when they put this bourbon in a barrel, it's aged, well, this stuff escapes. Out of the barrel, naturally, it evaporates. A lot of the alcohol and the liquid evaporates out of the barrel. So by the time it's done aging, you might only have 75% of the barrel full, maybe only 50% if it's aged a long time, yes. And so what is lost is what is called the angel share. Mm. So it goes into the air. (laughs) Okay, well, here's something that's pretty neat. If you get around all of these distilleries, you notice something that's kind of odd. There's a lot of black soot on the on the buildings, on the rick houses themselves. The trunks of trees around distilleries are black. It's a it's a fungus. It's a fungus that grows, that thrives on that alcohol that's in the air, the angel right. share. And I'm talking as wow. black as your shirt right. that you have on right there will be the trunks of the trees on the campuses of these distilleries. Now, is that stuff toxic? No. Well, they say it's not harmful to humans. Huh. But it requires a lot of pressure washing for the people that live in the area, right. you know, multiple times in the year. Wow. And it was, it's, that's why, like, when you go to a lot of these distilleries, everything's painted black. Okay. Because they're like, you know, right. if, if you paint black, something white, yeah, right. Then it's gonna look Nasty. dirty right. because all of the, yeah. the this fungus that grows from mm-hmm. the alcohol.
2: That's interesting.
1: But it's uh and so that's how the, the, the police back in the day used to find the illegal stills. They would find trees that had black fungus on it and that they'd be sense. like, Hey, yep. somebody's got a still in the area, right? That? Yeah, I'll be yeah, darn. and I you know I didn't know any of that. Huh. I didn't know that. me neither. Hey. But it was cool. Hey, hey, I I hate to bust in here, but but we actually have a very special guest who just called in. Uh-huh. And so special guest, say hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? That's my pops. Uh, hey. That's my dad.
5: <laughs> get, Morning, get, dad. Uber, get the Uber fired up. I'm on the way to Margaritaville.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dad's on his way here. He's coming to stay the week.
5: That's awesome.
1: All right. Well, look, make sure you don't miss that Uber to get to the airport or make sure that Maryland takes you to the right airport. Uh, I'm at the airport right now. (laughs) All right. Well, good deal. I can't wait to see you.
0: Well, that's good. Now, will you be here next Saturday?
5: No, No, I'll be leaving on Friday. Yep,
1: he's leaving on Friday. He's going to be in until Friday, so I'm looking forward to it. Are
0: you going to the property?
1: Yeah, we're going to go up. Oh, for, that's great! Yeah, yeah we're going to go up, spend a day, and then we're going to do all kinds of good things. Hopefully, the weather's good wherever we are. Yeah. yeah.
5: All right. I want you. I want you to know. The next time I come, I'll be driving, and I'll be bringing my Desert Eagle, and we'll see how it works on watermelons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's my dad. That's your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dad, we'll travel safe and I'll see you about 1 o'clock.
0: All right. Bye. See you, Mr. Longman.
1: He's awesome.
0: Yes, absolutely. How cool was that? Desert Eagle. Yeah,
1: Desert (laughs) Eagle.
0: Yeah, I've always told you one of the greatest football games I ever went to was with his dad. I won't, I won't have to tell the whole story. but No, was, don't
1: tell the whole story. Well, no, save, no, no. It, save it, because you can tell it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I don't no, want people yeah. to think that it's anything bad.
0: No, absolutely no, not. No, no, no. no. But, no. No. but, I,
1: but I, just real quick to finish this this yep. story up, and, I, and I'll tell a few more stories later on about Kentucky, but we ended up visiting five different distilleries. We did the Jim Beam, which is one of the largest that there is in the world, and uh, they had an incredible restaurant and everything. It was awesome. How many, how many casks?
2: you know, that they have put up, stored away. Do they ever give you an idea how many thousands or barrels well, barrels, not, yeah. I'm not,
1: and I'm not completely accurate on this, okay, but some of these rickhouses will store anywhere from 35,000 to 70,000 barrels. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's okay, yep. and um, the a lot of these distilleries, for example – uh, and, and somebody could look this up, but to give you an idea, a small family distillery like Willett, we went to visit. They had, I think, uh, eight Rick houses that probably stored, and I might be wrong on that, but I'm guessing like eight Rick houses that stored 50,000 barrels each. Wow. Okay. Whereas Jim Beam has an entire campus on location and another one at another location. Mm. And. They're making literally. You can watch that they have a counter barrels made uh, so far since prohibition or whatever. And while you're there, and we were on a tour, which was an hour, and I want to say that 300 barrels were made, and in, in the by the time we were on a tour, unreal. I
0: wow. mean,
1: so I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And so you have these giant rickhouses that are storing bourbon that's being uh, shipped all over the world. And bourbon has become so popular that these bourbon manufacturers and distilleries are investing big money. The Willet, which is a family-owned distillery, the one that we went to, which we, uh, was our favorite. Right. First of all, the excellent flavor. The bourbon was good. And we weren't getting drunk, people. You know, these little samples. Yeah, right? yeah. But they, they, the family just recently people. invested <laughs> $94 million oh, wow. in expanding their family distillery operation. Wow. Okay, so to give you an idea, I mean, it's it's big time. That's serious. And it's cool. But we did Woodford Reserve, Maker's Mark, which I'm not a big fan of Maker's Mark. Jim Beam, Willett and then Buffalo Trace, which is the oldest one, I guess, on the planet. And they were all incredibly awesome in their different way. But I got to give an an A plus five star to our tour guide and the Willett Family Distillery, because uh, first of all, the, the the bourbon is exceptional there. But the tour guide that we had, she was a, a lady that grew up with the family. The Willett family mm-hmm. had great stories, and she was a great tour guide, and and answered all kinds of questions. Had a smile on her face, and we, I mean it, it was the most enjoyable tour that we had. And uh, I'm I had a lot of bourbon. I mean, when I say a lot of bourbon, a lot of different kinds of bourbon, I didn't drink like a gallon or anything, (laughs) but it was cool. And I would highly recommend it to anybody if you can combine a hunt – or you want to do something like this, we'll have the information up on our Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. Makes for a good nap. Go do it.
2: Kentucky is a beautiful <laughs> state. <laughs> it's too. Beautiful. Oh, it gosh. Is it really is a beautiful. beautiful state. State.
1: we got to take a break. Yep. Uh, we'll come back. We can talk more about that if you want to. But anyway, we are live at Atlantic Coast Marine where they're giving away four outboards, four $200 gift cards, a motor guide, all kinds of things here. So come on out. And then uh, you can also enjoy the barbecue that's going to be going on around midday, around lunchtime, right here at Atlantic Coast Marine. And you're listening to the. Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show brought to you by Duck Duck (laughs) Rooter. When I gave my dad Okay, seriously, this is a great story. I had the George Thorogood album. And what song what this song was on which album? Chris, was it uh, Bad to the Bone?
4: Uh yeah, I think so, yes. I think I it think was so.
1: Bad to the Bone album. Yeah. And and I got the album and my dad heard me playing it one day and he was like, "What is that?" Right. I "This is George Thorogood, dad." And he's like, I love it. And so my dad stole my album. <laughs> Scored, it, I think right it was man. cassette. Love it. Back then, it wasn't an album. It was a cassette. It was either, it wasn't an A track. It was past that. So I think it was a cassette. It wasn't the CD. It was right. a cassette. So my dad had, he stole my cassette of George Thorogood And that song, I Drink Alone, was one of his you know most famous songs that he had. My dad loved it. So, But anyway, I was not drinking alone this week. We had plenty of folks to drink
0: with. It sounded like you had the Klan.
1: Yeah, we had a great the time. the whole family. We, we had the whole family, and, and uh, I will say that uh, me and Tara and Brad and Becca, we had our share of bourbon, and and Andy, who was a great host, and uh, the outfitter the family, I mean, he had some, some bourbon with us as well. And uh, the great thing about his place is, and also Melinda's, that what they did is they actually helped line up a lot of those tours that we did. And so – kind of working it with them and through them, they were able to secure, you know, specific times of when our tour started. Right. And uh, and that's kind of a, you know, a little bit uh, requires some legwork. You know, mm-hmm. so that was great. I mean, so that's, you know, again, this is a great place, opportunity to go. And, and if you love the outdoors and you want to stay in a beautiful setting, uh, that place that they have there and staying with them because they have, they do VRBO. Uh, they 've got they can you can stay I think they can sleep like twelve to fifteen people in that particular right. outfitter house, the barn. But then they also have v r b o houses that are scattered around the farm if you like privacy and you just want to do it on your own i mean they 've got a whole that's cool whole setup man so, so he
0: has about six hundred acres privately owned I think said? so and, and then, then,
1: it might be more than that right, right. and then you know different rental properties v r b o stuff that he has on the farm itself, and then he's got more and some other parcels elsewhere but uh yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful farm, beautiful setting, great people. The, uh, the the bourbon tour stuff, the bourbon trail is something that has reached a huge level of popularity there in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And the expansion of the bourbon operations have just, I mean, like I mentioned, the one family, they made a $94 million investment. Well, I mean, Buffalo Trace and Jim Beam and all these other places are expanding by the hundreds Of millions because of the popularity of bourbon and Mm -hmm. you know kirk was asking during the break there about man i never knew that they only used a barrel one time
0: yeah one time
1: and what's wild is is that these barrels are made the way they were made hundreds of years ago Mm -hmm. yeah solid oak it's it's solid oak yeah and they use the old steel bands Mm -hmm. okay and tap them down to pull the wood together and then the barrels themselves become watertight if there's liquid in it. If, it, if there's no Swirls liquid up. in it, yeah, if there's no liquid in it, it's uh, like the, how they used to originally call, in fact, one of the tour guys uh, brought this up in the tour, and, and he said a John Boat. Okay. He asked, he said, do you have John Boat? Right. Where you guys are from? We're like, yeah, we got John Boats all around. And he said, well, the original John Boats were wood. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I didn't know this. Original john boats were wood. They had to be in the water for them to float. Yeah. If you took them out of the water, <laughs> they would the They'd wood would shrink. Oh, we do. And then it would lose the ability to keep water out. So they would have to put the boat back in the water, allow water to seep in, and then once the wood expanded, then you had to bucket out, you know, to right. bucket out the water that was in the john boat. Mm-hmm. But that's the same concept with a barrel. And uh, but I mean, it's pretty wild that you sit there and you go, "Okay, they use a barrel at one time, and then it's done." Mm-hmm. Well, what do they do with it after that? Well, they sell it to Scotch and rum makers around the world, because oh, they, they
0: are used again for, for liquor, then. but mm-hmm. not for bourbon, but not for bourbon.
1: Because you can't get the color or the taste in a barrel that's been used twice.
0: See, I never realized that bourbon was clear. I, I said the same thing. I said I, mean, I feel like an idiot. Yeah, know, they, they because it, it just reminds me they're just pouring basically moonshine or in, in, into a barrel to get the color and the taste.
1: It was interesting in that they call they call the clear bourbon, but when it's going into the barrel, they call it white something white. I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember what the second the second word is. But I asked the tour guide, I said, well, does that – so that's kind of similar to white lightning because white lightning is not aged in a barrel. So that's right. probably – and she goes, yeah, that's where the term comes from, white lightning and and then white whatever for the the, the bourbon. That's mm-hmm. what it's called before it goes into the barrel. So that was – it was cool. And I would highly recommend it to anybody if you want to see some pretty country. Oh, man, pretty
0: country. Kentucky's beautiful. Pretty country. And then
1: the drive going up through there, you know, because you're going through Tennessee – and North Georgia is just beautiful. Once you get past Atlanta. Once
0: you get past Atlanta, it's fun. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, you know, whenever we do the Indiana trip, you know, just that stress. My, my wife
1: to- just corrected me. It's called, so the, the clear bourbon, before it goes into the barrel, it's called White Dog. White Dog. White Dog. White Dog, okay. Okay, yeah. so White Lightning, White Dog, right. okay, it's, that's the uncolored bourbon.
0: Yeah, but that, that drive, once you get to Rome, Georgia –
1: Oh, it's gorgeous. Through Tennessee. Yeah, it's gorgeous. (laughs) You know, Chattanooga's a little busy around.
0: Chattanooga's terribly busy. The traffic is is awful. I mean, even in the middle of the day, it's like trying to get around Chattanooga. A lot of
1: construction. Yeah. yeah, But Chattanooga's a little bit of a mess. Yep. but, uh, But, man, once you get into that part of Kentucky, which is around, you know, we were in Springfield, but Springfield and Bardstown and, you know, these distilleries go all the way up towards Louisville. You know, if you wanted to go and like maybe hit a city that's somewhere close by, uh, Louisville's not far, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we actually talked about a little bit last night, you know, because we're, we're looking at going back next year mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe visiting some other places and we said that, look, we we would probably not go to Louisville at all mm-hmm. and just stay, out there in the country, and then spend more time out in the country and seeing some other things in the country. But it's beautiful. Do
0: they kill some big deer there? I mean, does he outfit for deer also? Yes, he does. Okay.
1: Yes, he does. And they have had, not on his place particularly, they have had over, or in his county, 200-inch deer. Okay. Okay. Kentucky's known to be one of the best places, you know, the hidden gems that there is. But 200 inch deer are, are not uncommon in the state of Kentucky. Right. I mean, that's I'm not saying that it's a regular occurrence, but, uh, but they've got big deer there. The, the great attraction, I think, with Kentucky, with a lot of people, is, is that you can get a uh, deer that is still in velvet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Be- because their archery season starts September 1st, I, September 1st, I think. September 1st or 2nd or 3rd or something right. like that. Like, I mean, it's early. Yeah, it is early. And so you're hunting in all that agriculture, you know. You can pattern the deer a little bit. And,
0: and, and, and by the way, it's it's one buck. You kill him in velvet, you're done for the you're year. You're
1: done. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, yeah. If you're a resident, that's tough to do. Yeah.
1: And, and we'll and uh, the uh, if for folks are looking for Bourbon Trail Outfitters, okay, is the name of the operation that we're at. So if you wanted to go and and check his uh, website, I know they I think they got Facebook and all that kind of stuff yep. as well. Uh, you can check that out, but uh, yeah, cool operation, great time. Big thank you to Andy and Melinda and and, and the family, and I will tell you, uh, I can't wait to go back. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how good it was. Yeah, so, so, but you spent the week before
0: up in Georgia, right?
1: Yeah, we spent a little. Uh, I I spent a little bit of time so, in Georgia so, uh, before because
0: when when, when everything Edzo, Ed, so you guys were going fishing. Yep. And then, and then Ed was going back up to turkey hunt. Well, I didn't get any pictures. I actually did talk to him a couple mornings.
1: Dead as a hammer. Dead as a hammer. It's just, I mean, that's the, too bad. The turkey hunt at, at, at my place in Georgia is dead.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I told you guys this last week, um, all of those birds that were on my – I sent you guys pictures in my front yard February yeah. and March. I mean, I, I'm talking more birds than I've ever seen. and Gone. Gone. Now, the wow. interesting thing is is that – I could hear a bird way to the south, and that happened to be on James Missouri's land. Mm-hmm. So I hunted there on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, mm-hmm. and there were birds everywhere. There were, there, I, at one point in time on, on Sunday morning, I guess, I heard five different birds. At least you know where they went. It, 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 that's, that's they, they migrated. I mean, there's no question. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there were three jakes that kept coming in each morning. I, 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 I called them, Carrie and I called them the three amigos because they were in my front yard forever. I know it was the same birds. They, they all moved south. And as a crow flies, Jeff, and it's about two miles. But when they you know when they move two miles, that's off your property. It's a long way. Yeah. It's a long, yeah. Yeah. long way. Yeah. Nothing yeah, you know, can do it, about uh, that. But no, it, it, but I was with Jeff. I mean, we, um, it, it, besides the, the one morning that was the worst weather with the worst conditions, we. Aaron Aaron killed a bird, and besides that, I mean, I, we we hunted uh, we hunted every morning for the next ten days except for one. It was it was raining, mm-hmm. and uh, it, the, the, the it was fun over once I once I kind of patterned the birds over to James's place. Um, but that that particular bird that I was hunting was on somebody else's property, and I never could get him <laughs> on on James's property. But but I had fun. But the the one cool trip that we did, it it just uh, uh, talking about taking a family and going to do something, is we went to a place called MT and Meats in Hawkinsville,
1: which is legendary. Legendary. M T and Meats is is known for having exceptional, exceptional meat. I mean, mm. like 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 drive you, an hour to go there. Good. Yeah, yeah. Like like when
0: you look up like top 10 things to do in Georgia, right. M&T meets is on there. Now, where is this at? Near it, Alma it, or listen, Hazelhurst? It's or? in the middle of flipping nowhere. That's the coolest part. Is we that sounds like Benton it, Lee's it, restaurant. It was, it, was, it was probably 45, 50 minutes from, from my place, mm-hmm. through all the back roads and stuff. And, and, you know, I thought it would be in a little town or something like that. No. It, it's in the middle of a That's cow so pasture. Funny, isn't isn't and, 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 I mean, there is, Kirk, there is nothing around this i mean i'm talking for miles and miles yes. and 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 you, you i went in there and i'm like and james told me he said dude you got to get a ribeye so i go in there and i'm like and i said give me uh, two because we were going to have dinner that night right two ribeyes uh and they're and they're they're literally like okay you know uh, we'll, we'll 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 season it and vacuum seal it for you I'm like
1: oh. which which by the way what? helps that seasoning yes get,
0: oh yeah binds it in there everything that you buy Whole chickens, everything is is vacuum sealed. Sweet, you know, and, and it's not vacuum sealed until you buy it, right? And then you you pick out what you want. It was, and they had produce, they had sides. It was
1: family trip.
0: Family trip, nice. yeah, family trip. You know you're
1: getting old when you're taking family trips to the meat shop. But you know to the what? It, 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 <laughs>
0: That's great. It, it, it was
2: going to the, was, the meat market. You
0: know, hey, look, you eat, if you want to, you could have your own private butcher take you through mm. everything. Is okay. that where Gordon gets the smoked pork chops? No, uh, no. No, but I did get some of those. I, I got some of their chops. Good. Yeah. Oh, I haven't had them yet. All yeah. right. Yeah.
1: All right, well, let's take a break. Hey, uh, by the way, if you want to see some of the pictures from Kentucky, that's the welcome to the Nimnick Family of Dealerships Outdoor Show post on our uh, Facebook and Instagram pages. And uh, so just check it out, and while you're there, like it. If you'd like to join us this morning, 904-641-1010, right here on the Nimnick Buick GMC Outdoor Show, presented by Duck Duck DuckDuckRooter. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show, brought to you by Duck Duck DuckDuckRooter. We are live on location at Atlantic Coast Marine, right at the foot of the Intercoastal Bridge. As you head towards the beach, come on out and join us. Uh, lots of giveaways going on, but now it's time for the LV Hires Inc. Gear Tip of the Week. Go to LVHIRS.com to learn more, but LV Hires supplies quality fuels and lubricants all across the southeast. It can help your business and also your bottom line. So again, go to com to learn more. This week's gear tip comes from Captain Kirk, and it's a it's like a little mini screwdriver. Yeah, it was a gift. Uh, Captain Steve gave it to me.
2: We had breakfast a, a week or so ago, and we were sitting there, and he goes, "Hey, I got something for you." He said, "Something that you can keep in the boat," and it's a little stubby thing. I think it's called a. Uh, a pick tune and basically it's an inexpensive little multi-tool that you can buy at ace hardware um it i think he paid maybe five dollars for it and it's got a multitude of different uh like a hex head uh-huh. uh, phillips head screwdriver flat head screwdriver and the tip of it is magnetic so when you take the tip off of it mm-hmm. it kind of you can feel it it, it bites right kind of pops on there and if you pull it real hard, it comes out. Then you take the, whether you've got a flat head head on it or the a Phillips head, and you have a little hole at the bottom of the screwdriver, and you push it, and it ejects the other multi-tool out of the top. Okay. And then you stick that in there. So it's kind of something handy you can have in a boat. I don't know about you, Kevin, but a lot of times if you run the boat for three or four weeks or whatever, some of the screws in the hatch will get loose. Mm-hmm. Or glove box or
1: a rod holder. Oh, the center console the, screws the, 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 yeah. the, always come the, with it. The yeah. bow
0: rail.
2: The rails. Yeah. Um, I think the other day when I was out fishing, uh, the trolling motor uh, locked down on me, and I couldn't get the pedal to get it to disengage, uh-huh. and I needed a screwdriver. And that's how the conversation originally came up, and, and that's why he gave, I think he gave me the gift. And you just reach over there with that little screwdriver and just
0: <laughs> – just disengage it. Yeah, just yep. nudge yep. it a
2: little yep. bit and just it came loose. And in, anyway, inexpensive. Um, you know, it's one of those things you can use. If it starts to rush, throw it away and get another right. one, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, no, those are handy. Nice thing is it's short, it, it doesn't sh- take up hardly any right. room. Yeah, it doesn't take any
2: room. You can put it in your glove box. You know, put it in your glove box of your trucks. You can put it in your glove box of the boat and something quick and easy to use.
1: And that's your LV Higher Zinc Gear Tip of the Week. Again, you can check it out on Facebook or Instagram, exactly what Kirk is talking about. And you got it at uh Hagen Ace. Hagen Ace. So easy enough. All right, uh welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Reuter. now joining us here in uh, at Atlantic Coast Marine. We're gonna Bring Dr. Quint White on, the executive director of Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute. morning, Doc. Morning. Good morning, Doc. Th- thanks for uh, for joining us here on the on the remote. You get to get your name in a hat. Maybe you'll win something today too.
0: Yeah,
6: that's a, like that little engine over there. It's yeah, cool. I know. Four of them. I know. <laughs>
1: that's that's crazy. Yeah, four outboards that are uh, that they're giving away. They're giving away a four, a six, an eight, and a fifteen. Uh, I think me and you could probably find a little duck hunt with yeah, one of them I can things. Yeah, something
6: like that. That's a good idea. So, how you been? Doing great. Good. Doing great. How's everything um, at
1: Jacksonville University?
6: Doing amazing. Um, we were having so much fun and things are going so well. I uh, sort of pinched myself every once in a while. So That's a cool. dream. So.
1: The, uh, I, I do know that uh, since you guys built the river campus at Jacksonville University, when I say the river campus, the Marine Science Research right. Institute yep. part of it, uh, and then now you've got, it seems like there's a lot happening out there at Mayport at the O-Search facility.
6: <laughs> it, it's very exciting out there. In fact, I'm headed over there when I leave here today. Um, Sidhu Jacksonville is building a dock for us uh, for the O-Search vessel. Uh, we're also working with the state to try to build some additional facilities out there. It's it's very exciting. Um, and the dock, it's funny, you, you help design these things. You see, on play, you see them on paper, and they actually put it in concrete and start building it. Right. That sucker's bigger than I thought it was going to be.
1: <laughs> well, you got a big boat now, Doc. Well, it's yeah,
6: a, it's a big boat, <laughs> it's, it's, it's got to it's stay the. You know, that's a rough environment right there, as you know, with the current. So it's it's built to stay for a while. So yeah, it's exciting. Um,
1: How long are some of those concrete pilings that they're putting in? I mean, because I mean that's you know you got to have some water depth. I mean it, they they have to be. What do you think, Kevin? Lengthwise, fifty feet.
6: I have no idea. I mean, if you're yeah, if you're
1: in twenty, let's I say should, twenty feet, yeah, I, I should
6: ask that question. I know that they, they did a number of test pilings, mm-hmm. um, in which they drove them down until they got them firm where they wanted to. Right. And then, um, I know they're longer than they went down because they actually end up cutting off part of them to they top them off and then top they, them off. We're actually using the the pieces that have been cut off as part of a bulkhead. If you go down and look at the around the base of the
0: make a great the, reef.
6: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also I need I need protection of that bulkhead kit too, so I'll take him <laughs> on my ball kit right now. <laughs> I, I
0: have to ask one question because I was, uh, before we get all started, um, because I know you're the expert on this. Uh, Doug Wenzel, mm-hmm. who fishes with me all the time, lives in Flagler Beach, loves to surf fish, um, loves to use sand fleas, favorite bait. Yep. said last year, no sand fleas whatsoever.
6: Um, is there a reason for that? I, I, I wish I understood, and this is crazy, I don't know if you remember, I actually got my Ph.D. working. I know. On I remember that. That's why I said on, I know who to ask. On yeah. mole, mole crabs, or Emerita talpoida is the genus species name. Um, they're far more patchy than I thought they were when I was studying them, and I haven't really looked at them hard in the last few years, but it's amazing how sometimes, and I'm not sure exactly why, I think it has to do with the sand and the water temperature and the water conditions. Mm-hmm. And food availability, but they'll gum, come and go sometimes, and you'll find them sometimes, and they're thick, and other right. times they're not there, and I don't know exactly why.
0: Do they do they go offshore?
6: No, no, not. they they live pretty much. They they go offshore in the winter time, but then they come back ashore um, when it's warmed back up. Okay.
1: All right. The other uh, big topic, Doc, that uh, that we've been really wanting to ask you about this. Giant weed patch <laughs> yeah. that is uh, it seems to be uh, over a large portion of the Atlantic. Uh, I know South five, Florida. Five thousand. 5, square miles or yeah, something well, 5, like that? five
6: thousand linear miles. I'm not sure how wide. Okay, it is. I didn't know. Um, yeah.
1: So more probably square miles than that. If yeah, it's, it's more. It's more than five thousand square miles. So, I mean. Okay. Kevin's saying he's starting to see some weed down in St. Augustine. Oh, it's terrible. Some of the yeah. weed uh, yeah. down yeah. there. It's,
6: it's starting to come up this way. Um, I'm not sure how much has come ashore yet. I'm hearing a few reports of people seeing it offshore. What,
1: what, what um, are – are there okay, concerns this is, about this from a health standpoint?
6: Not from a health standpoint. Okay. This is – it's, our, it's a sargassum weed, yeah. which, as a biologist, I love. Sargassum is the coolest stuff in the world in a lot of ways. It's its own ecosystem. And living on the sargassum are all these crabs and shrimp and little fish and baby turtles, and all these things live on them. And little amph- amphipods and worms and all this kind of stuff. And what's amazing is they've actually adopted or adapted over the years to become camouflaged to look like the sargassum weed. Mm-hmm. So you pick up the sargassum when you first look at it, you don't see it a whole lot. Then begin to notice, oh wait, that's moving. <laughs> there's a little fish in there. Oh, there's a little crab in there. There's a horseshoe in there. I mean, a horseshoe crab or um, not a horseshoe crab, but a... Yeah, Seahorse, Um, all these kind of things that sort of live in it. And it's where turtles go to live for their first years of life. And Sargasso has been with us forever. Um, The Sargasso Sea is part of the North Atlantic Gyre, which is this giant circular basin that occurs in the North Atlantic. And what's happened since about 2018, maybe 2011, I guess is when they started finding it. We have seen a gradual increase in the biomass the amount of this material. Well, what's happening? Well, you've got global warming. You've got the clear-cutting of the Amazon basin, which is resulting in excess nutrients now running off from the Amazon. And here's one of the largest rivers in the world dumping all that water right there into the Caribbean. And it's fueling the sargassum. Um, the biggest year we've had prior to this was 2018. Um, and you can go, University of South Florida has a really cool map System, you can go in and look at the aerial photographs, and so you see what's going on. Um, tends to peak a little bit in February, dies down a little bit more, then comes back up later in the summer. And so I'm expecting us to see some of this stuff later this summer. Um, I'd heard pretty good report. Or heard reports that it had come ashore at Melbourne. Um, you're saying you have see, started seeing in, in St. Augustine? Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I mean, there's, yeah, there's it was it was thick in the intercoastal boat ramp yesterday. I had to literally clear okay. it off. Because, you know, your tires just spin yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah.
6: but it, it's a neat stuff, but it, it is exploding. Um, and it's probably because of warmer water and excess nutrients. It's the same phenomenon that's happening in the river, same phenomenon happening in the lagoon, except it's a different species of algae. Mm-hmm. You've got excess nutrients, got warm water, and the algae grows. Um,
1: so, sargasm weed, to, so, to, to unders- so people can understand it a little bit. Is this? Does this grow on a? Um... It floats. So, b- but I mean, wh- how does it originally start? I mean, is it all always floating? Always floating. Always floating.
6: Yeah, yeah it's got these little pneumatics uh, that that actually float it um, and hold it up. A pneumophore, excuse me, um, that that cause it to float, and so it floats on the surface of the water. Okay, and, and so
1: and then it continues to expand. Sure, as it, it
6: grows like any other algae, I and mean, it just sort okay. of divides and grows and divides and grows. It's got nutrients. It's going to divide and grow huh. like any plant.
1: And then when it, let's say it l- goes on land and it uh, loses the water, so now it's like a fish out of water, so to speak, so right. then it's going to die, correct? Right. Right. And exactly. I've heard the smell it's can be right. terrible.
6: Oh, yeah. Well, it's like any large organic body starts dying and decaying. Mm-hmm. It starts to smell. And it <laughs> produces a lot of hydrogen sulfide gas, and so that rotten egg smell, uh, it's, not, it's not a pretty sight. Um, once it comes ashore. It's, that's not his habitat. His habitat is floating in the water. Um, I, I have been, I've, I've been thinking, because if I see sargassum in the water, um, I'd love going out and getting a bucket of lost sargassum and take it back to the lab. Cause as as Just to see what's in it. Oh, yeah. it's, it's fa- Besi- I mean, I,
1: Besides the actual sargassum oh, yeah. weed itself that's alive, the things that you find in it. Th- exactly. Th- exactly. So, exactly. so
0: there, there was a bunch of it coming up in Comanche Cove yesterday, and there's kids with clear cups. They were going up and down the dock, and, yeah. they, were, and they were just sh- shaking, sh- sh- it. They were shaking it into the cup. You know, look, I mean, they had all kinds of stuff oh, in there. Oh, so, that's so cool. I'm those glad all, glad
6: to hear those that. are that, all future neat. Dr. White. Yes, yes, <laughs> I see absolutely. Oh, that's, that is really cool. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because I got talking. I was just at a meeting uh, in Alabama, which I was over at the Dolphin Island Sea Lab, and got talking to some of the scientists there, and we got talking, and somebody said, you know, I wonder if some of these animals get off of the sargassum before it comes ashore. Hmm. Um, do they, no, quote, know, and that we use that term loosely here, that, oh my gosh, it's too rough, I'm going to do something. So they swim back. So, so a little study we could do fairly easily is go out beyond the breakers, get some sargassum, come into the breakers and get some sargassum, mm-hmm. and look at the sargassum on the shoreline and see what the animal life is accordingly. Yeah, uh, to compare. I, that's interesting. The kids have learned to, to take it and shake it and yeah. look at what's on it. That's, yeah. That is so, way cool. So,
0: so growing up, um, we had a hundred gallon saltwater tank And Dad's favorite thing to do Was on a nor'easter in September Take the <laughs> six foot cast net and, and it was always sargasm weed During a nor'easter mm-hmm. And he would catch the sargasm weed And we would go up on land and shake it all out And that's how we got our fish for mm-hmm. out, of out of the weeds. Out of the weeds. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how we, we had a whole tank of little trigger fish. That's right. Uh, you know, I mean just, just all kinds <laughs> of uh, all kinds of fish. It was it was fun.
6: Yeah, but it's it's coming, it's gonna get, probably get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Um, and so it's just uh, collectively we keep adding nutrients to the ocean and then you know what's happening in the l in lagoon with the algae bloom and causing the submerged aquatic, submerged aquatic vegetation to die back. We've seen the problem in the St. John's River with the green algae. Well, the sargassum is the indicator species in the ocean right now. All
1: right, well, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back here. we got more with Dr. Quentin White from Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute. And don't forget, folks, we are live at Atlantic Coast Marine at the foot of the Intercoastal Bridge. That would be the west side before you go over the bridge to the beach. And they're giving away four outboard motors, four $200 gift cards to Strike Zone, a motor guide, trolling motor, a push pole, 100-hour services to your outboards, and they got barbecue. So if you make a little bit of a trek out here from wherever you may come and just make a small donation to a charity that, uh, that Atlantic Coast Marine is a big supporter of, then you can get your name in the hat for all these fine things, and you can get some barbecue at lunchtime. And if you'd like to join us here this morning, Dr. Quentin White, our special guest, 904-641-1010, right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show, presented by Duck Duck DuckDuckRooter welcome back to the mimic chevrolet outdoor show presented by duck duck rooter and just want to give a big shout out to my state farm agent david beam i'm telling you folks uh, if you want to make sure that you're insured the proper way call david and his uh his whole office because he's got some great people in his office his number is 904-379-4156 again 904-379-4156 and david beam is just like us he's an outdoorsman but he's an expert when it comes to making sure that all the important aspects of your life are insured your home auto whatever and uh and i can tell you he will also talk a little shop with you when it comes to the hunting and fishing he's a he's a big outdoorsman and I love David and I've had David involved in, in our family's life for a long period of time because I trust him and the great thing is is as we know when you are sometimes in today's day and age the customer service is not there but with David you talk to David and you talk to his staff you don't talk to a machine or somebody that may be in Stuttgart Germany Illinois or Stuttgart, Germany, yeah. or India or right. wherever. I mean, I don't know, but yeah. some of these call centers, man. Phew. Oh yeah, I hate that. Again, David Beam, State Farm, my State Farm agent, nine zero four three seven nine forty one fifty six. Back here on the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show and brought to you by Duck Duck Rooter, Dr. Quentin White, sitting in with us, the Executive Director of Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute. And Doc, uh, a lot of things happening at Jacksonville University, but there's a lot of things happening in our area that has certainly changed since COVID kind of came around. I mean, the influx of people in our area has just been a wolf.
6: Oh, it's, it's a little scary, to be honest. Um, it's crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, the, the, the many times that we've had you on the show, we've talked about the concern about the influx and the construction, and now we're, we're reaching a, a fever pitch.
6: Yeah. it. I, I worry a little bit because we've got limited resources. I mean, I, you know, you want to be careful about how you do things, and you – the more people come, then the more water they need, the more everything else they need, the more waste they generate. Right, and we've got to get rid of that stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's not just the simple things. You know, when I moved to Jacksonville in 1976, there were something about like a quarter of a million people here, and now we're well over a million people in the oh, state yeah. of Florida. There were like there were less than nine million when I got here, and now there there are more than twenty-three million people in the state of Florida now. Phew. And you just look at the numbers, and it's, it's a little mind-boggling.
2: Yeah, we're almost on an island. I mean, it's a big peninsula. Oh. And and that there brings in one of the big issues that we had talked about the last couple of weekends was the pharmaceutical tissue samples. Oh. I mean, that's <laughs> got to be something that's got to be worrisome.
6: It is. It is. Because we've done this without really understanding fully what's happening. And so we have a whole bunch of chemicals that are, one, we call them forever chemicals because they don't break down. Um, and... They're in the water column, and they're our fish are eating them, are living in them, and swimming in them. And there's evidence now that when we eat fish, we're actually getting some of those chemicals into our body. And so you're, you may be taking pharmaceuticals you have no idea what you're taking. Right, that's
1: scary. I mean, I mean, the article that, uh, in fact, the article that we we actually talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and it says our fish on drugs. I think was the yeah, title exactly. of the of the article, and and all the different. Pharmaceuticals that are being found on tissue samples of fish around the state of Florida. Yeah. It, it was, that was stunning.
6: Well, we've been able to analyze water a lot of times to tell whether it would be impacted by wastewater because we look for things like saccharin and caffeine, which are not normally in the water. And right. They come from humans. And so, you know, that's something that gets processed and we can analyze it and look at it and say, oh, wow, okay, so this is human waste coming into here. Wow.
2: Well, and the other uh, side of the coin, too, is the plastics issue. That's huge. I was watching uh, Blue Planet 2 yesterday with my wife, and David Attenborough was talking about pilot whales and how one of the pilot whales had birthed a a calf, and it died immediately. And she carried it around for three or four days, uh, uh, you know, grieving over it. And then you realize, man, you know, these mammals are going through this, Mm -hmm. and they're ingesting this plastic because they don't have a choice.
6: Right. Well, they don't, they don't really know what's going on, and we don't either, and, you know, plastics are are tough, because we become so dependent on them, um, and we use them so much, uh, I'm, I'm a huge uh, opponent, I guess I would call it, of single-use plastic, I try hard right. not to use things, um, and yet we become so dependent on things like bottled water, and straws, and stuff like that, that I try hard not to use, but... We also need them for other things because they're part of a, our medical system is so plastic dependent.
2: Very dependent.
6: And, you know, you look at how much waste there is in that and how much we generate. And all that plastic stays with us, and it stays with us forever. Um, my my understanding is that every bit of plastic that's ever been made is still with us uh, somewhere. And if you go out and take a plankton tow in the river or in the ocean and look at it, you're going to find plastic debris in it. Uh, you've got plastic in your body right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You've been eating it. You've been drinking it. And what's the long-term impact? We don't know yet. Yeah, that's scary.
2: Well, and it might be some of the, you know, and you hate to think that direction, but, you know, we've been suffering with this cancer problem for decades. I mean, forever. Is that part of the evolution of of our waste byproduct, you know, whether it be plastic or whatever?
6: Yeah, but part of the problem with cancer is that there are literally hundreds of different kinds of cancers right and so and dozens of causes so it's not like you can say oh yeah that this is the one thing that causes cancer uh it's multiple things why do some children get it and others don't you know why am i an old guy without who's never had anything you know other than i've got skin cancers but um you know that's right things that's happened and so being outdoors that's part of that problem but yeah, it, it's, it's scary. Um, but at the same time, I, I have to admit, I, I remain somewhat optimistic. I, I continue to think we're going to figure a way out of this at some point in time, but we've got to be smart about it, and we've got to start paying attention. And I'm afraid too many people will just simply think, okay, it doesn't matter what I do. And that's the message I try to of a lot of people. It does matter what you do. And so any little thing you can do adds up.
2: Yeah, every individual has an impact. I know at my house, our debate. My wife likes bottled water. I don't. I drink it out of the refrigerator or the spigot, and she's a big fan of bottled water. And the only time I ever carry it is when I'm in the boat, and I I, I try not to 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 use the bottles because yeah, I think about that.
6: But it's so easy. I mean, that, and that's that's right. the part. It's so simple to have a bottle of water. Yeah. And,
1: has know,
2: anybody
6: my wife and I, we reuse our bottles? We refill our bottles and. I put my, I have a little Q on some and a little S on other for Susan and Quint. So, um.
1: has anybody come up with, uh, or is there any work being done on a plastic alternative that, that something can be made that's biodegradable that can be holding water instead of plastic?
6: Yeah, there is, and the problem with some of that stuff is that some one of the things that happens it sometimes is water soluble which means you can't put anything with water in it. So it's one of these sort of balancing acts, you know, how do you right. how do you do it? You know, the old joke about it, there's no such thing as a universal solvent that dissolves everything because there's nothing you can put it in. Um, so it's the same sort of analogy. Um, yeah, I there, mean, there's some work, in, and there's some pretty cool stuff out there, biodegradable things, and, you know, a lot of people now are using bamboo and other kinds of, Wooden recyclable. Well, I, I love things. seeing
1: the straws that are not plastic. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. Mean, which is great to see. Yeah.
6: I mean, I, I just, I mean, I've quit using straws by and large. And it, it bugs me that, you know, I don't use a straw at home. Why do I need to have a straw when I go to a restaurant? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the deal is. Um,
2: well, you so think back, too, about, you know, when, when we were young, all you had was milk cartons. That's right. <laughs> and the milk carton didn't have a plastic <laughs> nozzle on the top. You just peeled it open and <laughs> right. pushed it out, and that, that's what we drank
6: at. Yeah. You know? yeah, and it was covered in, in wax. You know? Right. So I used to scratch the wax off. So. Yeah.
1: All right, th- another question I've been wanting to ask you is uh, the whales and the concern over the whales has kind of – there's a proposal out there about limiting the speed of vessels in the oceans, which uh, is – of grave concern to many industries uh, the boating industry, the shipping industry, the fisheries industry. I mean, it, it, so many industries could face dire consequences if some of these speed zones are instituted. What is, what is your take on that?
6: Well, this one gets to be really difficult. And the problem is, right whales, um, highly endangered, something in the order of about 300 individuals left in the world it's it's a scary problem because you hate to think that we've caused a species to go extinct and yet we have and will continue to do that and so how do you balance that um i'm not a huge component of the speed zones even though you know we've to some extent managed in manatees for instance to find a balance in which we have set up some zones where it said okay we'll go slow here um, in order to be able to go fast someplace else and by sort of understanding where the manatees are, we'd be able to do that. We may need to be more conscious in terms of what's going on with whales and where they are and what we can do in trying to slow down. Ships, when they're moving around, time is money. And when they you know, have to slow down to come in and out of ports, it makes for a more expensive trip. That's not what they want. Fishermen. And uh, some of the regs I've seen for some of the sport fishing boats would be horrible to have. To think about having to go Slow for miles and miles and miles, and so I, I hope that we can find a compromise. Um, we've moved; we've gotten so much better in terms of our ability to track and understand where animals are. Um, look at the ostrich work on sharks. Right. You know, you can take your app right now and, and see where the sharks are. Well, one off of
1: Daytona, by the way, right now. Oh yeah, now.
6: and there's some off Jacksonville right now, and they just caught several <laughs> off of North Carolina. <laughs> um, that's where the expedition is right now. And so it, I, I'm optimistic that we can do some things um, by tracking where things are and then being a little smarter about how we do it. Um, yeah, you
2: think if we could do it with the great Wyke and you only have 300-so right whales left, that we could put transponders on all those whales well, if that's possible yeah, or feasible.
6: It, it, it's difficult with the right whales in particular. There's, they don't really have a fin, so it's hard to sort of think what's going on there but they do come to the surface so is there a way to 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 track it and um we do a pretty good job when they're down here in that november to march period of flying and figuring out where they are and notifying people and then the ships put on whale watchers to watch the bow as they're coming in and trying hard to to make that work um the other problem we have is with sort of um the ghost fishing gear the stuff that the ropes and stuff that ended up floating on the ocean just right because people discard it and there's a big controversy for the northeast because of the lines that are used for crab pots lobster traps and too. lobster traps yep. and trying to keep the animals from being entangled with those and we see that all the time so we we've just got to be smarter about it and I, I think we're relatively intelligent and if we spend a little time and effort i think we can work some things out to make it Yeah, it seemed like we could find
2: a compromise between the two groups, you know, where I I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to see a right whale go extinct. I mean, we really don't. And I, for one, having been a commercial charter boat captain for 26 years, I appreciate the opportunity to see the wildlife we do see out there, and I don't take it for granted at all. I mean, even though you see it a lot, you enjoy every moment that you see a, a porpoise behind a shrimp boat, or spotted dolphin you know thirty miles out, and then you see a right whale or or even gray whales yeah. that we you know infrequently see, or even a great white i mean there 's a big pleasure in being able to see that, and being able to hand that down to our kids and grandkids is that much more precious, I think yeah, I agree I mean, the planet is all we have, and we 've got to take care of it, but then again, I, I, I still think that we need to have common sense um, progress towards compri- uh, you know, com- you know, compromise so that both both groups are taken care of, right. you know.
6: Yeah, that's the part that I, I get sort of frustrated with people who sort of, oh, blank, blank, I'm not going to do that. And right. The, and full floor ahead. And if they just sort of stopped and thought for a second, say, you know, maybe, maybe I can slow down a little bit. Maybe I can watch what I'm doing. And can we establish some zones that we, okay, these are right. this is where we're going to find right whales during this time of the year. I mean, they're not here in the summertime, basically. Right. And so, you know, we can have some seasonality. And, you know, we talked about that with manatees, for instance, because we went with year-round because you could get manatees around year-round, even though they tend to be here more in the summertime than they're gone in the wintertime. Well, most people don't boat in the wintertime, and so, okay, let's not be confusing about, okay, you've got to do this from March 15th to April 15th and, you know, try to keep it simple so... When we made our manatee regulations, our recommendation was do it year-round. You don't have to do that for right whales. I mean, you, they're they're only here part of the time. We do a pretty good job of tracking them. Right. So I I think there's technology that can help us. Um, you know, we're we're old enough that we remember doing dead reckoning when we used to go fishing, and now we use GPS and what is, Yeah. What
1: is dead rec- reckoning?
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chart plotting. I mean, what's chart, mean, chart plotting? Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: wow! I, I got
6: a power button, Doc, <laughs> right yeah, here in front of right. me on
2: this
1: touchscreen.
2: <laughs> yeah, God forgive. Exactly. What's a magnetic compass, right?
6: Yeah. When I, <laughs> I, go, I go back long enough. I remember we used to, we used to leave the sea buoy, head east until we couldn't see the tops of the coning towers on the carrier basin. And that's where we knew we were about nine miles off, and we started looking for the flags yep. that George Strait used to put on on the artificial <laughs> reefs. Yep, that's right. And then we would go, okay, here's here's this reef. Now, if I want to go to the next reef, i got to go, go this go way. This way. way. <laughs> yep. Do 125
2: <laughs> degrees for 5.7 miles. Hit the stopwatch. Yep. Click, click, you know.
1: And then and then the other thing that I remember hearing about is people used to take soap, uh, bars of soap, drop them down to the bottom. See if it's sand or a reef. To see what would Attached to the soap bar yep. to see what kind of bottom they were on. Yep, I mean that's just crazy. <laughs>
6: yeah, well, it was inventive. I mean, that's what you had to do to sort of figure it out. Yeah, yeah.
1: nowadays you got side scan, deep scan. You can Down play scan. with your
6: with your screen to find out the
1: different temperature changes and it at each strata of depth. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Anyway. Let's take a break and uh, we come back uh, we'll talk more with Dr. Quentin White, Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute's executive director and you 904 641 1010 right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck or live at Atlantic Coast Marine. They've got a big day of celebration here. They got lots of giveaways and barbecue, the whole nine yards. So come on out to Atlantic Coast Marine at the foot of the intercoastal bridge as you're headed towards the beach on Atlantic Boulevard. Joining us on the show today, Dr. Quint White, Jacksonville University's executive director of the Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute. And we were talking a bit ago about some of the pharmaceuticals that are found in our water, that are found in our fish. Well, today is a uh, drug take-back day right. for pharmaceuticals, and an old friend has called the show. His name is Mike McCormick, who actually works for the Florida Poison Control. Good morning, Mike. How
4: are
3: you?
1: Good. How you doing, buddy? Hey,
3: I am doing super fantastic. I was just listening to the show like I do every uh, Saturday morning and, and thought that I'd love to get this information I heard you reference the article on the uh, FIU study that was out uh, two weeks ago where they caught 113 redfish around the state, and, and all but seven had some form of pharmaceutical inside them. Thanks. That's 94%. I mean, that's it's unbelievable. And, you know, we do the drug take-back day with the DEA twice a year. It's the fourth Saturday in April, fourth Saturday in October every year. And then we spend a lot of time talking about safety, getting to, to stop people from getting addicted to opioids, to stop little children from getting medication. But the environment's another big part of this, and I think that uh, study shows you why. So I really wanted to encourage everybody, go through your medicine cabinets, your purses, your backpacks, the consoles in your car, your kitchen, and find any medication that's unused, expired, you no longer need it, and come by one of the drop-off locations. There's five in Duval County, three in Clay, four in Nassau, um... For in uh, St. John's. They're in every county, and you can go to DEA.gov slash Day, and you put in your zip code, and you'll find a location from 10 to 2 today. It's anonymous. You just drive up uh, and drop it off, and we'll dispose of it uh, through an incinerator so it doesn't get back into the uh, waterway.
0: That's that's a great idea. Mike,
1: uh, I, I really appreciate you paying attention to listen to the show because uh, that's great information for people that, uh, that do have some expired pharmaceuticals or pharmaceuticals that they don't need or desire anymore and it's a great way to get rid of them instead of just pitching them in the trash
6: or dumping yeah, them in the de- toilet and flushing them.
3: Right? Yeah, definitely don't dump them in the toilet because that's the fastest way they get into it but the same thing from putting them in the, uh, the trash. So, I, hey, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I listen every Saturday so uh, uh, excited to be on but please uh, everybody out there uh, gather them up and again, all of us hoard medication. We all do it. You paid for it. But the reality is when you hold on to it, it can become a danger to children or other people. And then when you do finally dispose of it, if you don't do it correctly, it, it does end up back in the uh, environment. So I appreciate the, it, Jeff. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, buddy. All right. We'll see you. Bye-bye.
1: Kind of all blends in, doesn't it? All right. I'm, I'm glad that he called. I didn't know that, that today right. was to take-back day. So I that's didn't, perfect. I, didn't, I,
6: was, I had thought earlier I was going to make a comment that people need to be careful how they dispose of their pharmaceuticals and do not dump them down the toilet. Uh, don't just put them in the trash. Look for the take-back days. And some pharmacists will, uh, pharmacies will actually take back drugs too, but you can talk to your local pharmacy about that.
1: Uh, just a qu- quick story on yep. Mike. Mike, back in years ago, uh, was the news director at uh, Fox 30 and CBS 47 here in okay. town. And uh, so uh, he was my my wife's boss at that time. And then also, you know, when I was doing, and still do, the yep. you know, Jaguars TV shows on that, so obviously knew Mike very well. And so that's where he's doing now. So that's awesome. And so, uh, man, that's uh, great information. And really appreciate Mike calling in and, and giving us that information because that is, that is great information. Yep. So I have a question and
0: and it 's uh we've we 've talked about this this is this is all good stuff but the the, the cool thing about my career, doctor, is that i 've been able to see the changes you know i mean uh, thirty the good to bad ending uh, absolutely the the, the thirty six years you know of 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 being on the water over two hundred days a year and 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 seeing the changes and and I saw the changes I was talking to Travis Tabor about this I saw the changes from Whenever we used to do inshore fishing and, and, and you go out and catch a redfish, you were like, had a good day." You know But then we saw the changes after that where there was just a, a an incredible boom where we were catching 30 to 40. Jeff, you fish those days, um, you know and and, and, it, and and since then that 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 has even waned off because there's. we talked about it earlier, there's more boats, there's more charter captains. But some of the changes that, 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 that have been interesting to me. And, and, and Jeff has been a part of this, too, is, is what's happening on, on weather-wise and the, the fishing-wise. When I want to say fishing-wise, I used to book every day in April and the beginning of May, e- every day. I mean, I'm talking 31 days and, and because of this fishery on the, the bait pots we would in april it was redfish it was sharks jacks cobia i mean it, it was an incredible fishery and it, and it happened every year you know the, the the bait would show up sometime around the end of march um and then and then we would fish all of those and and those fish would would stick around until the water temperature got into the into the mid 70s and then they would they would ease off we haven't had that fishery in years. I mean, but the, the crazy thing is, Dr. White, we haven't been able to fish in April offshore in the last five or six years. The weather has changed completely. Um, where we used to have, you know, offshore winds in the morning, you know, and then and then our southeast sea breeze. And, and now it's it's all, in April, it's all, you know, it's all onshore
1: breezes. Is that is that just a weather cyclical pattern or is that... Well, Something that you see that is being noted by scientists.
6: Well, it's, we're, we're noting it, and it's part of what we're trying to study and understand things. And this is where it gets a little bit um, scientifically interesting because we think about all, and we talked about it earlier, we have all this technology we use. Think about the changes in the technology you've used over the last 30, 35 years going offshore. Well, the same thing apply applied to our understanding of the weather we have so much better information today about weather patterns than we ever had Mm -hmm. think about the satellites and we all go to our phones and look at radar look at all this kind of stuff 30 years ago we didn't have that no and we didn't understand what caused weather patterns so we we start looking at things we are biased because we are what we can remember and then we go back and look at the data and try to figure out what was going on well we don't have but probably the last 20 years of really good weather data to to analyze because we don't know what it really was like 100 years ago. Right. And we don't know what it was like 200 years ago. True. So has it cycled? Not real sure. You know, we know there have been global weather patterns. How much is global warming? How much is CO2 in the atmosphere? How much are all these things affecting us? We talk about the growth of Florida. How much is paving over so much area and creating changes of weather patterns? because now we have these heat islands in the city? So how much change has building Jacksonville, where it's been built, influenced the weather pattern? Because as the cities warm up, the air rises. That pulls water, pulls air into the city. You know, changes the weather pattern. Um, there is very, very good evidence now that humans have impact have impacted climate, and it's a, it's a little scary. We talk about, but yeah. you talk about the growth. You can't have. Four times as many people living in an area with that's much, much more impervious surface, and that many more homes, and that many more water manipulation—all the things we do—and not have a change. Right. And so, how's it going to affect us? We're not real sure. Um, yeah,
1: it, it's interesting to me. And then, <clears throat> when you start talking about things like that, it's kind of it, a lot of it too is subjective because it's from the opinion of you know, the people that are dealing with it, and is it inconvenient or is it convenient? You know, One of the other things I think that, and Kevin wanted to talk about this, and I'll go ahead and ask this question because I got to experience this directly and see it directly, is that when we were going offshore a couple of weeks ago, Kevin had talked about this time of year is a good time of year to go offshore because you don't see a lot of the sharks, which we know that sharks can be <laughs> a bit of an issue. And this kind of ties into the other topic about the ability or inability to keep red snapper. So we go to the first spot, we catch red snapper, and it's awesome. And all of a sudden we lose a rig, and then next thing you know, here comes this big bull shark, and he inhales a red snapper. Number one, uh, your thoughts on the red snapper. Now, we've we've asked that of you before, but uh, has it changed since the last time we asked you? And then also – What's the deal with all these sharks that we're seeing? <laughs> <laughs> because I, they're related, and that's why I'm kind yeah. of combining the question here.
6: Oh, uh, it's interesting, and um, I'll sort of pre- begin preface this a little bit by, by talking about the fact that our fishing offshore has benefited from construction of things like artificial reefs over the years. Uh, we talked about earlier mm-hmm. the way people used to find the bottom yeah. by dropping a bar of soap down and, and seeing did they have sand or that it had shell or what have you know what kind of but had it on it and so we have so much more technology understanding that but and i have said for a number of years if it wasn't for something like the offshore sport fishing club that started building artificial reefs 50 years ago 60 years ago we wouldn't have the kind of fishing we have offshore Jacksonville right. because that created habitat created nurseries allowed things to to grow i wish improve. it was still going well so do i and it, that's a that's a bureaucratic frustration. We won't go there today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big proponent of artificial reefs. Right. And, and um, we need to do more of them. Um, but at any rate, as we've seen the health of the fisheries improve, we've also seen the amount of sharks improve. And it's a balancing act because the increase in number of sharks is an indication of increasing food. And so, yeah, we've, you catch more sharks offshore. Well, you're also catching more fish offshore. And... What's happening is the reason that shark is getting that fish is because you just hooked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not swimming like it normally did. It's sending off vibes in the water that I'm struggling, I'm fighting. And sharks say, oh, there's a struggling, fighting fish. My job is to take that out of the ecosystem. And so, whoop, they come along and eat it. Um, so it, it's a balancing act. Personally, I like the fact we have a lot of sharks. Uh, I get frustrated when I'm offshore, except that I don't mind catching sharks and turn them loose. The students who do it love it and it's 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 all, it's a benefit in the grand theme scheme.
0: we better have some big tackle for these sharks oh <laughs> my gosh i mean these are you know those big sandbar sharks yeah. they are they are so nasty looking and then you get those big bull sharks yeah. i mean and and you don't you don't think they're that fast because when you see them swimming they're kind of docile. to hell with that oh, i big. mean they'll they'll chase a kingfish down like like nothing it's, 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 and a, and it's a quick amazing. question
1: along the the lines of the of the shark. <laughs> we just got brought a plate of ribs oh my that uh, just came off the smoker here at Atlantic Feeding Frenzy. Which, uh, yep. by the way, the uh, lunch is at eleven thirty, and we got a little sample here yep. at nine uh, o'clock sharp. Which, by the way, they're going to be start selling the raffle tickets at nine o'clock. But to get back to my question, with O Search, Great White is the one that's got the sex appeal. Do they do any tagging of other sharks? Yes. Just, I mean, because, hey, look, you know, while we're out here, yes. why not work on other? What other kinds?
6: Yeah, um, sharks, um, I know they've done a number of tigers, um, some other sh- other species. Um, Are they
1: putting the monitors on them as well?
6: Not always, okay. uh, because they don't behave quite the same way. But,
1: but they'll pull them up and maybe the, take tissue samples exactly, and study exactly. the ones. And there's
6: been some work done, and, you know, we're, we're currently doing like 19 different experiments on great whites, and then there's some people who want to also have us catch other sharks and do other things, and so as they expand and get a little better at doing what we're trying to do and understanding the white sharks, yeah, there are some efforts doing that, but they, most of the other sharks don't come to the surface like great whites do and put their fin up, because the shark has got to come to the surface and establish satellite contact long enough, and most of these species don't do that.
0: So Jeff and I, whenever whenever o gets here, it gets settled in. We we want to go fish, I, I, and, and 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 honestly, I don't care if we ca- if we catch anything. I want to. I'd love to go, watch them how they chump fish, how they yeah. how they do all that. I mean, that's that's an amazing process. Yeah,
6: we're hoping that we're going to have once they get the ship here. We're really looking to do what we're calling opportunistic fishing, because we'll have the ability for the ship to be right there at Mayport, and to look a few days ahead and say, hey, this is a good weather window. Um, mm-hmm. and we 've got the weather kind of condition we want, we can go offshore and do something and we can mow up. we can go off and be there for two or three days and not have the right now we do three week expeditions and it 's a much bigger deal, and we can make short term trips right. so looking forward to that
1: and uh, two to three weeks ep- expedition wise is not a big deal i mean you the boat the o search boat is it's basically an old refurbished crab boat, correct? Yeah, exactly. and, and when yeah. crab boats, when they go out fishing, they go out for weeks at a time. Oh, yeah.
6: No, it, it's, and it's a human toll. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, you can do it, but at some point, life comes into play. Yeah, so. right. Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it takes – you know, we have a scientific team, so, and we have people going on and off the boats all the time. Right. Uh, Dr. Dr. Brian Franks and our faculty will be going out next week for a few days, um, and we've got students out there right now. Um, on it, and so it's it's a human wear and tear phenomenon. It's not the boat, not the facilities. It's mm-hmm. it's how how many people can you put out there for how long? Um, it's one thing when you're making money, sort of the more fish you catch, the more money you get. So you, there's an incentive to stay out there. And scientists, we do a little bit of that, but at the same time, you sort of wear yourself out.
1: Right. So right. So All right. Well, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll do a ring power cat tip of the week, uh, folks. We are live at Atlantic Coast Marine. Uh, Lunch is starting up at 11.30, the uh, raffle tickets uh, that you can make a small donation and get your name in the bucket for four outboard motors, push pole, motor guide, trolling motor, four $200 gift cards to Strike Zone. All that's available here at Atlantic Coast Marine at the foot of the Intercoastal Bridge. So come on by while you uh, can get your name in the hat. They're going to start drawing around lunchtime. And uh, get some food. I mean, if they just brought us a plate of ribs, Dr. Quentin White is eyeballing them. <laughs> so let's take a break here on the Nimnick Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Welcome back to the Nimnick Chevrolet Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. We've got a little Ring Power Cat tip of the week Ring Power and a Cat Rental Store as the most dependable fleet. In the industry. Go to ringpower.com to learn more, to see how they can help your business and your bottom line with a dependable fleet and a productive fleet. Ringpower.com again. We are live on location at Atlantic Coast Marine, and that's the Ring Power tip is to come on out and hang out. Mr. Brett Cannon joining us now on the show. And, Brett, you've got uh, quite a bit of giveaways to uh, to hand out here at some point.
7: Yeah, man, looking forward to it.
1: you got four outboard motors that you're giving away, four $200 Strike Zone gift cards, a push pole, a trolling motor, 100-hour services for outboards, and all of this is available, basically all you got to do is make a small contribution, donation to yeah, a Yeah, we're trying to uh,
7: make donations for Young Life Beaches.
1: Tell us today. about that. Uh,
7: Young Life, I don't know, um, a lot of people uh, grew up. Probably over the last 25, 30 years, Young Life is a, it's a Christian organization, but it's doesn't push it really hard. It's just a place for kids to go and pull kids together. Um, you
0: know, bring yeah. Out, bring them to Christ. It, 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 we, so. we've, um, we've, we've, we've had them on, on the show before. We have. And um, I, I know Gordon Gruen is uh, heavily involved with Young Life. So with, like a, with so, a, yeah. a
1: donation, you get a raffle ticket. Correct. okay and uh the the donations are being accepted now, yep your name goes in a bucket and then lunch is gonna be served at eleven thirty who did the cooking
7: Malcolm Reed he did it last year yeah he did it yeah, last year absolutely well, he knows what he's doing yeah Very he does and, oh. and
1: so what's on the menu for today
7: uh see so we have ribs i got yeah. I
1: got ribs in front of me that look exceptional
7: <laughs> I think he has fifty pounds of chicken wow and Nine Boston Butts.
1: Nine Boston Butts. Yep, mac and cheese. Ribs, chicken, Boston butt, mac and cheese. You right. told me you got a tub of banana pudding. Two tubs. Two, Two tubs. tubs. <laughs> Half a tub for you. Can, 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 do you have any kind of uh, vegetable, maybe? Coleslaw? Mm, no. Uh, so we're meat <laughs> and dessert. That's, <laughs> That's it. right. Right up my alley. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, with this giveaway of the four outboards, tell us about the four outboards. What are they?
7: We have a four horse, a six horse, an eight, and a fifteen. And
1: so these are uh, hand control tiller, little tiller, outboard, yep. little tillers, huh? Yep.
7: Fifteen inch tillers.
1: Man, what does what a four horsepower outboard go for? Uh, Just out of curiosity. Now, I'll, I'll retail
7: fifteen hundred.
1: Fifteen hundred. Yeah. Retail. And, and so retail on a fifteen horse. Uh, jeez, four grand?
7: Mm, probably. Close to three grand. Now three now. grand, yeah. Okay.
1: God. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with the price increases. Anyway. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> crazy. So, how, how has the business been? Lately? Business has
7: been good. Uh, you know, we're not in the COVID times anymore, but uh, what's nice is we actually have inventory so right. people can actually crawl on boats and touch them. And, you know, we hadn't had that in a long time. We've got plenty of inventory now. And uh, along with this today, we're doing 20% off MSRP because we actually need to move some inventory now. All right, so so
1: if you're looking to buy a boat, you guys have Pathfinder, Hughes, Maverick, Cobia.
7: Cobia, Everglades. Everglades. uh, Jacksonville Boat Sales off at Palm Cove Marina. We have Raballo, Chaparral, Edgewater, and Clark Sound. Wow.
1: So today's a good day to buy a boat. Yeah, absolutely. And get a belly full at the same time. (laughs) You know, I really appreciate you doing this. You know, I just got back from Kentucky and and (laughs) totally overdid it. So I was planning on getting back into the workout, you know, watching what I eat yeah. routine. You're totally ruining this.
0: Yeah, you've been into the fish dip. Somebody I mean, needs, crushing it. Tim Carney brought ribs, in right? fish dip. You brought ribs. Kirk brought all the
1: bakery <laughs> stuff. I mean, I'm a total fat butt. <laughs> Up in here. I mean, this is crazy. Well, uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, then, man, this is this is incredible. I mean, when, when we talk about putting on a shindig, you're putting on a shindig, having all of those giveaways. I mean, Strike Zone's loving you. Four gift cards at 200 bucks.
7: That's right. I don't know if Dave knows that, <laughs> that we did that, but that's what we're doing. <laughs> that, yeah, is awesome. that is awesome.
1: That uh, is awesome. Question. If somebody needs a service... What, what is your service base? What do they handle? Yamahas only?
7: We're exclusive Yamaha. Okay. So, I mean, uh, and we got our uh, hands full with Yamaha. Okay. okay. So, but uh, we can handle, I mean, I'll have 60 boats at any time in here for service. For service. No yeah.
1: kidding. How yeah. many mechanics are you running now? Uh,
7: nine. Nine Ooh. mechanics. Wow. Wow.
1: Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. Nine mechanics. Nine mechanics. Okay, and then how many you got at the beach store? Uh, uh,
7: all the service is done through Atlantic Coast. All State. here.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
7: So, wow, that's all. that's got a, a, a full uh, fiberglass and gel coat shop. Um, we probably do anywhere from a hundred to one hundred and fifty repowers a year. So, yeah, if you need a new engine, how, lot, is, lot the lot inv- how is the how is the inventory
0: it, so. on that? Uh,
7: it's finally coming up.
0: Okay. You know, I uh, mean, because you know, people who tried to repower the last couple of years are just like, we can't get an engine. Yeah,
7: I, I think I have. 60 engines. Okay, good. Talk right now. Yep. So. Wow. Yep.
1: Well, I appreciate you having us today, and, uh, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you uh, for coming out. For having us. and uh, this, this is going to be going on. What time is, is it going to be over? What time uh, is dra- the drawing? Well, well, wait a minute. Real quick, too, because uh, we had a couple people ask us. You have to be here to win it, correct?
7: Correct. Yep.
1: Okay, and what time are the, is the drawing going to be happening? I'd
7: say, uh, like I said, lunch starts at 1130. We'll probably finish up around 1 and do the raffle soon after. Okay.
1: All right. So one o'clock a little bit after one o'clock, you mm-hmm. gotta be here to win it. Mm-hmm. all it takes is a small donation. Correct. Get your name in a hat and you could win an outboard, a power pole, two hundred dollars gift cards, and I gotta pick my dad up at one o'clock. <laughs> Can we do one at twelve thirty maybe? We'll <laughs> <laughs> stay. <laughs> Just for you, dogs. Yeah. Just drop a thousand
7: dollars in a bucket. Yeah, you? that's right. Yeah, there's there's a price we'll for move everything. The, yeah. We'll move up the draw time yeah. a little bit. Maybe drop some of that Willet off. Oh uh, man!
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you because uh, I brought up the name Willet because you know, and Willet from those that may have missed out earlier uh, did the whiskey trail, bourbon trail, and Willet will- will- was will- one of the stops. So you know that. Oh yeah. Uh, do, have you ever been there?
7: I have not been there, but I know that I know Willet.
1: You know Willet? I know Willet. Very well. Okay. So, uh, in, it in
7: comparison, <laughs> c- com-
0: comparison of price, <laughs> how, much, how much is a bottle of Willet?
7: I don't, I don't know. I don't really I know. Mean, it, it's not overly expensive. Okay.
0: Um, Woodford Reserve type? Probably close to that. It's probably so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But okay. Hard, harder to get. Uh, unfortunately, I know exactly how much Woodford Reserve yeah. costs because <laughs> I, I lose at the Grey Goose every year. Yeah. There's,
1: um, there's one particular bourbon that's very popular to people that that collect bourbon and it's got the little horse on top of the, yeah, what is the that, bottle uh, is
7: that Blanchard uh, Blanton's Blanc, yeah okay it's, it's that's Blanton's. very hard to get yeah. very hard to get right really good
1: so and and I can't remember which distillery that Blanton's is and maybe it's uh, Buffalo Trace yeah. so anyway we're on this tour and we're going into the boxing of Blanton's okay so they're putting the bottles of Blanton's in the boxes okay they're putting the labels on and then they're boxing them. And I told my brother-in-law, so we need to come back on the tour tomorrow, have a baby carriage, and have no baby in there but act like we do. And then we'll do the tour again. We'll come through, and we'll make, grab a bottle of Blanton's. We'll put one underneath with the diapers, put another one in the baby you're, carriage. You're, you're, <laughs> hey, I, I have a question for you um, sure.
0: because this just hit me. What, did, they, did they talk about flavored whiskey? Yeah, I mean, did they talk about like the percentage? You know, I mean, like like cinnamon whiskey. I mean, yeah, right.
1: but that's not that's whiskey, but that's not bourbon. We were on the bourbon trail. Okay, so they don't. It's stupid question. They don't have a flavored bourbon. You can't you can't add anything to bourbon other than the, the water? I got you. Okay. Okay. Or the actual what comes what they call the white dog. Yep. So that's that's the thing that that separates bourbon from, from whiskey. whiskey. Bourbon okay. is a whiskey. All right. Okay, and that's where you're lo- you're talking about whiskey. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay, flavored whiskeys. Yep. You know where you get flavored
7: salted caramel of all salted kinds. caramel. Apples, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Apple, yeah. Jim yeah. Beam. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or,
1: yeah.
0: or what, how, by the how, way, what? that stuff's brutal. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah,
1: yeah. they got all kinds of flavored things, and, and they actually have one of the places had a uh, a liqueur that was meant to be added to your coffee and again that's it's not a bourbon right. because it's you're adding things that are not a a bourbon is very strict yeah you know and, and the, the purists uh, you know when it comes to bourbon right you know people are very very you know narrow minded when it comes to bourbon and that what it has to be and what it can be so, But the whiskey tour now, maybe next year on the whiskey tour. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a break. Thank you, Brett. Uh, Brent. Yep. Brett and uh, Brett Cannon, folks. Atlantic Coast Marine, they've got the free giveaways, all kinds of stuff going on today. And, again, uh, the raffle tickets they have going on right now. The lunch starts at 1130. And then the drawings will be about 1 o'clock. Four outboards, four $200 gift cards, power pole, trolling motor, all kinds of goodies.
0: Okay, hey, folks. And uh, for, for those of you to keep your boat on a lift, in dry storage or at a marina, I'm here to tell you about a fantastic solution about your boat trailer, Stack'Em Storage. Our friends at Stack'Em Storage, they pick up your trailer, store it in a secure facility out of the elements. The best part is Stack'Em Storage team will pick up and deliver your trailer when and where you need it at no extra cost. Your boat trailer will be protected, inspected, stored, and transported. You take great great care of your boat, take great care of your your trailer also. Go online at Stack'Em Storage today for your first month will only cost you a buck That's stack storage or call them at 962 use coupon code favor that's f-a-v-e-r and get your first month for a buck we'll be right back with the Nimnik chevrolet outdoor show brought to you by duck duck rooter Welcome back to the Nemec Chevrolet Outdoor Show, brought to you by Dr. Duck myself, Captain Kirk Waltz, Dr. Quint White. Bloggerman is somewhere eating a rib. <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, we're I, don't, I don't. I do like, green, by the way. Yeah, Chris, he handles I don't believe somebody. it. He goes, he's like he goes here, handle it. Go, yeah. Okay, we we can. Surprise, surprise. We can, surprise. Do, that. We can and, do that. And
2: folks, we can we can definitely tell you the food is going to be outstanding. Oh, yeah, the smoked ribs. Some of them just came off the grill. They've got smoked chicken. This guy
0: is an artist. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Dr. White's like, uh, I've been a long time since I've eaten a rib
6: at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I, know.
2: <laughs> I think he's going to be taking that Mayport trip a little bit slower than, than he thought. You know.
6: I'll just circle back here by 1 o'clock because no, yeah, it's recognized. Yeah, there somewhere. you go. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Why right. not?
0: Come back and get, and get your lunch. So. Whenever you're talking to Jeff, Jeff's going to ask you about seaweed questions and and stuff like that. But Kevin and I have a different direction. Yeah, we we do. We have a, we we we're coming at it from 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 fishermen, from local fishermen, local charter captains, and it's uh, you know we we talked about the weather earlier. It's it you know April has been a um, a frustrating month for us over the last five or six years, and and you know as 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 and I understand as a scientist, as time, five or six years is a blip. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's nothing, right. um, you know. But but for us, you know, we've we've seen those changes. We, and I, you know, uh, all I know is that we've seen changes. I don't I don't know why. I don't understand. You know, the the shark thing is 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 very interesting to me, because in in my career of of fishing offshore, which is which is a long, I mean, you know, thirty something years never ever ever did I lose a cobia to a shark and 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 now it's 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 very prevalent I mean it's like you know they're eating 30 and 40 pound cobia like snacks oh yeah no. you know and, and and we just well I mean the other thing is we never caught snap or slow trolling either and and you know you go over a reef now and they're chasing your you know your flat and stuff all on top of the water. I mean, it's it, it is different. I mean, there's 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 no question about it.
2: Well, I think, and, and we were talking off the air, Doctor Doctor White, that the analogy of it in in general is that the health of our population of fish and our our biodiversity out there is strong. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good thing.
6: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the balancing act we have got to think of it because we have sharks, we have fish. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we were fishing with you one day, and we caught a redfish out out at the jetties, and right, and a shark took it, and the, and the redfish had a basketball-sized head, and <laughs> right, the, so, probably a bull shark just whopped it off. So it, it, it this is it, this is
0: interesting to me because um, we we talk about whenever you hook a snapper. Whenever you hook a kingfish offshore, right. it, it, it gives off that, that, that vibration. Just like, you know, whenever it, people always ask me, I pull up to a pogie pod with a million baits out there, and I take one pogey, and I throw it in the middle of this bait pod, and it gets eaten. How, how does that happen? I, I, I understand that. But the one thing that, that I've never had happen is I've never had a kingfish eaten on the beach. With all those sharks on there, I've, 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 never, I've never had a kingfish and, and, and have you? Have you ever lost a kingfish on the beach? No, not, not to a shark. You know, I mean, I, it, and, and gosh knows they're there, you know, the, the big black tips and, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you go a little further offshore and you, you know, you've got the bull sharks, you've got the sand tiger sharks. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's a totally
6: <laughs> a different realm. Yeah, well, there's a little correlation to the depth of water and the ability of the shark to actually get enough speed to attack. Right, and so in the shallow water okay. systems, they don't have the same speed that they do in deeper water systems, and so they're they're relying on that surge, right, um, to be able to track a, a kingfish in particular, and so that's that's what happens in the shallow water is that you're looking at the ability of the shark does it? They don't have the same ability in that environment. Right. And
0: and I and I've talked about this before. I think a lot of it has they, they become in tune with our motors. Oh yeah, because if you if you look at like Boca Grande Pass or the keys, the, the tarpon fishermen, they have terrible problems at times with with the big hammerheads knocking the tarpon in half, the the big bull sharks eating the tarpon, and and, and over here, again, I've never ever had. I think you've had one tarpon attacked. Yeah. I remember the day that, that 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 happened. Yeah, eaten by a shark. You got got eaten by a shark. But it's it's funny now that you, know, you you pull up to these to a reef or a live bottom that has sharks, you look down, and you don't see them. And all of a sudden, about five minutes later, with that motor still running, you look down and they're just they're, 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 they 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 yeah. become in tune with that motor. And and why do some motors
6: attract and some motors don't? Right, exactly. I mean, I've talked to so many fishermen and said, "Yo, this this boat used to attract fish. This boat doesn't." Right. And, you know, it, there's a sound there, and we don't fully understand it. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it's it's also hard to study. Right. Um, because it's hard to get the variables, control the variables that you say, okay, this is what's happening. Because mm-hmm. you look at it and go, okay, how are you balancing the sound?
2: Well, here in Blaze too, another question that's on my mind, and we talked about it during the break. Um, the Some of the, the, the closures that they're looking to do, offshore enclosing closing specific areas to bottom fishing altogether because of the discard rate mortality rate of of the bottom fish that we're we're releasing i mean i go out there a lot and i spend a lot of time out there i mean you know 26 years is a lifetime for many people and i, I realize our opportunities on the open ocean is around here especially kind of an 80 20 rule Mm -hmm. of the time, because of the weather and the virtue of the weather, we're forced to fish inland or close to the beach. And that other 20%, we're allowed to go offshore and and fish. And I'm I'm a little bothered by the fact that sometimes I see that, you know, wow, the mortality rate is 42%. I personally, when I release snapper, I'm fishing within, most of the time, 80 feet or less. I just don't see that mortality, Um, even on some of the smaller species of snapper or the larger ones even the big ones you know we try to make sure we have all the vending tools and following all the rules or regulations and i i i don't know what what are your thoughts on that yeah Doc? I,
6: this is one of those problems because the, the data is so hard to get right and so you i hear these numbers and my first question is where did that never come from mm-hmm. how are you calculating it um we talked several years ago because one of the they did a huge flawed study on the red snapper fishing, and they were talking to king mackerel fishermen and asked, are you catch a red snapper today? No. <laughs> right. I, wasn't, I wasn't fishing the bottom. I was trolling all day. Right. You know, so, okay, zero red snapper. Well, Six I, hours fishing, zero red snapper. Okay. Right. I had, the sur-
0: a- I had the survey que- I didn't. I don't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> survey question at, at the ramp. I'm like, ma'am, I, I inshore fish today. I didn't go offshore. Right. Oh, so you're saying you didn't catch any snapper. Well, no, I <laughs> fished inshore. <laughs> that's, it's right. not, it's, that's not on her paper, So
6: she did. She wrote zero. Yeah. Zero snapper. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that, and we've complained yeah. about this, and, and they sort of understand the problems, the data, but that, that's the problem is trying to get good data so you can make good management decisions. Right, right. Because so much of it is hearsay and perception. And, and I can tell you from, you know, having done a lot of data analysis over the years, it's different when you write it down versus what you think you remember.
2: Right. And
6: you yeah, start, absolutely. You start writing it down and keeping track of it, and some fishermen do. Right. And they've got amazing information. Um, getting them to share it's a problem, but that's another <laughs> <whole> story. <laughs> well, I think
2: people are, you know, and, and, and I've talked to Erica a little bit with the Forest Fish and Wildlife Conservation mm-hmm. Commission. People are a little reluctant to open up because we feel like at times when we go to these meetings, and I've traveled all over this country. Kevin and I have been to Washington. I've been to Orlando. Mm-hmm. I've been to Charleston. I've been to a lot of the workshops and the meetings and sat in. You know, don't feel like some folks are being honest with us. You know, and, and that that ent-
0: entails does not lead to a good relationship. Or or, or or it feels like that they're doing it because they have to, and then after everything's said done, they just go back to their
6: to their own business. Well, they're doing it from their perspective, right? And they've got a different perspective than you do. Yeah, and, and I understand. That's true. and that's, and that's yeah. the problem. You, you, the three of us are sitting here, we're all three seeing something different, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all looking at something very differently, and so that makes a difference. And it's it's one of those it's a struggle because you're trying to balance people's needs versus people's perception. And is it is perception reality? Well, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Right. Um, and it, it's hard. And fishing, in particular, is a real problem because trying to get good data is is difficult. Right. On on
0: mortality rate, are they talking about the? the uh, d- do they include fish being eaten after you release them?
6: I don't know. Uh, you, know you know what I'm and saying? It, I mean, is and that sometimes that depends on the researcher gathering the data. Okay, how, because how there's, there's no
0: get. way it's a 42% mortality rate for us the way that we release fish and using circle hooks and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, there's, it, is there, is it, I don't know, is there a 5% to, to 10% maybe? Because if they swallow the hook or something like that, yeah. which, which we normally cut it off. But I, the, the, the only way you could get to 42% is if you're assuming that some of the fish that you're releasing are getting eaten by barracudas or sharks or something. Right. Well, fish, sometimes, you, I mean, you see it. You, yeah. You, oh, sure. You Absolutely. And boom, it's, oh, it's gone. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
6: Which is very frustrating. I just released a red snapper and, oh, my gosh, it just got eaten. Before. Yeah. <laughs> right. I watched the right, king yeah. mackerel come in and get it or the shark come right. in and get it. Yes. Um, well,
2: yeah. I, I, and I understand, too, part of the politics involved in it. I mean, not everybody's going to agree. But there's always an opportunity for compromise, you know, even if you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat or whatever the case may be, you've got to have some kind of bipartisan opportunity to sit down and negotiate and compromise over what you think is right and what I think is right and try to meet in the middle somewhere.
6: Yeah, this is, I have a, this is as a scientist, I've been very frustrated because there seems to be this anti-science mentality right now and it's very frustrating. And we become so polarized in this country it it worries me a lot i agree um Mm -hmm. that and so you know there's a lot of people i just i'm not going to talk politics with um one i'm not particularly comfortable doing it so i'd rather talk fishing but right um or hunting or whatever but um (laughs) (laughs) but you know it it, it's a shame because i i listen to some politicians i i I won't name names of this city of it but i go back and they talked about the way it used to be in Congress and even the state legislature in which they all partied together, they all worked together, mm-hmm. they played golf together, and now it's so partisan they can't seem to associate with each other. Right, right. And, and that's a problem. And So we need to look for common ground. We need to look for ways that we can collaborate and work together. Um, and that's where we're talking to. I think, when we talk to the regulators sometimes asking questions like, uh, how did you get that data? What's that? What is that 42% based on? How did you get that information? Because we discovered some of the early snapper data was flawed. Yeah, and um, that got admitted. And Fish and Wildlife is wrapping up a study right now on red snapper. And my understanding is that they found all a fair amount of red snapper. So <laughs> we'll see whether it, it changes the perspective. What, what's
0: What's always been interesting with us is when they When they brought it back, the, the when they allowed us the first The first time it was like six days. Right. You know, it was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday consecutive rain yeah yeah yeah, the weather was terrible the weather weather was terrible and and I I, I don't know exactly I'm going to say that was four or five years ago you know and then and then you know there's it's it's mayhem it's total mayhem as a matter of fact I did it the first year and I said I will never ever do this again because it, it was it was ridiculous right you know so then you know we Kirk and I are getting our updates and and they 're like oh, the the, the the snapper fishing's back down, you know, so we 're only going to give you three days uh, next year and and now we 're down we 're down to two days that 's yeah. it and 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 th- again, there has to be some common sense somewhere that says two days of, of snapper fishing is dangerous it's it's and i'm that 's not an exaggeration. People are fighting at the ramp yep. i mean they' they 're they're, they're out in the ocean. Running over each other. I mean, uh, you, shades of tournament time. <laughs> well, then then you have tournaments on those days. That's the crazy thing. The Ancient City uh, Kingfish Challenge for two years in a row was was during snapper season. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so what yeah. did they do? They were smart. They put a snapper category in there, yeah. you know. But, I, 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 you know, there just has to be more common sense than just two, two random days in, in July that – thousands and thousands of people, you know, can, can yeah. go snapper fishing.
6: Yeah, I agree. It's not done with the best collaboration. That's where we need to talk more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and
0: I agree. I mean, I
2: think yeah. that if we can come to a common ground and, and have some good dialogue, you know, I think that would be so important to resolve the issue. I mean, I, for one, want to preserve the resource for our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. I think that's so important. You know, we've had an opportunity, You know, I was born in 55, and I remember back in the days, in the 60s, when there were fish everywhere. Now the population has exploded throughout the eastern seaboard, all up and down the coast, from, you know, as as far north as Maine, all the way to the tip of the Keys. And that dynamic has changed. And I think in the conversations we've had with you, and, and the education I've gotten from you is we've got to change with
0: that a little bit. Yeah. You know, we've got to rethink s- some of the things we do. So so how, uh, to change the subject, how is the artificial reef in St. John's River? It's, it, you You had a fishing contest right. uh, l- last year. Oh, well, it's actually
6: been three years ago. Three before, years, right? okay. Yeah, there's that time flies when you're driving. Yeah. Um, it's doing well. Um, I'm not, to be honest, I have not fished it now for a couple of years, Um once COVID caught a kick, then we, that shut us down, and we haven't really been out there since then. Uh, haven't heard much about it, but I, I think we need to do more of that kind of stuff in yep. the river. I think we need to have more art fisheries offshore. Yep. Yeah, that would um, be great
2: if we could do some state water inshore reef programs. Yeah, we, we've,
6: we've <laughs> That's had, what Kirk and I want. Yeah, yep. we've, we've talked about some nearshore reefs, and that becomes a problem because you're trying to work with the shrimpers. Shrimpers, absolutely. You right. want, want to stretch in that. So right. this is where you sit down and settle, say, okay, where can you go? Uh, we also have live bottom offshore, and you've got to be careful because you don't want to put a reef right. on live bottom. You want to stay away from that. So, it, again, it's, it's a balancing act trying to figure it out and trying to get the money and trying to get the people to do it. Uh, it it's an ongoing battle, I can tell you that. Yeah. So,
0: when did the live bottom thing come in? Because, obviously, in the 60s, you know, when they were putting out artificial reefs, they, they didn't go out there – and test for a live bottom, did they?
6: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They oh, did? Oh, yeah. Er, I mean, I remember early, early on, um, we used to do diving to make sure that the sites were, were not on live bottom. Okay. And, you know, we talk about live bottom and dead bottom being the sandy bottom. Right. Which is actually a live bottom. It's got a lot of stuff in it, but um, it's just sand, and there's a whole different species. That right. Lives yeah. It. But, yeah, no. No, from the very, very beginning, um, the effort is to avoid the ledges – um, I think the early fishermen understood that we did not want to pile something on top of right. a live bottom that was already doing well. So um, a lot of that was, you know, going back to our dead reckoning conversation a little bit ago. You yep. know, we, we had a pretty good idea where they were, and then with technology, until, it's gotten yep. even better. But, no, we've, we have always put that down.
0: Yeah, until the first nor'easter, and then all of our flags got blown off of our reefs. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and they blew it, the, yeah.
1: Well, well Quentin, yeah. Uh, we appreciate you coming in today. And uh, I know that uh, you're going to be headed out to Mayport <laughs> for for the O What what is the next big thing on the horizon for at MS Marine Research well, Institute, Jacksonville University Marine Research Institute and O Yeah, two or
6: three, three or four things are going on right now. Um, one quick shout out to the North Florida Marine Association, uh, which is the collective of all of mm-hmm. the marine dealers in town. Uh, recently, gave us a uh, really well, deserved well needed little 16 foot tracker grizzly runabout oh, boat. Cool. Uh, we have we were still using a uh, flat bottom John boat that we got back in 1983, so it was 40 some years old. Wow, <laughs> and it was leaking, and students kept saying, Doc, I'm not sure about this. And, so, we've been talking to uh, Aaron Johnson and that group, and so I appreciate their support. And uh, it's a really sweet looking little boat, so we're cool. right? just a to get that going it'll be powered by a 25 horse yamaha just to plug the yamaha folks because they, they get, get your name in the hat they, they come I'm back a, here at one o'clock yeah, I yeah. might get another outboard I for may, your i may work it out um <laughs> uh so not them but it and i also want to mention by the way we are in fact going to have our summer camp again this year yeah, yeah very, very nice uh, the last two weeks of june uh registration's open uh we have a week of non-residential camp um and then we have a week of residential camp if somebody wants to come in from out of town or have grandkids or kids come in and spin camp on campus. Uh, we spend 24-7 with them, that's cool. Uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so that's the last two weeks of June. Registration's open, so you can go to J-U-M-S-R-I. Might have camp. a lot of seaweed around summer that time. Yeah, it may be a lot of fun. <laughs> should um, be good. Maybe looking yeah. at that stuff. Uh, I loved your story about the kids shaking off the stuff into the bucket. That, yes. That's, that's so cool. Yes. Um, so we got that going on. Um, mentioned the Mayport Reef. Uh, excuse me mayport dock being constructed by the city of jacksonville which we hope is going to become part of the revitalization of mayport and we think having osearch there we have some really interesting plans to develop that site Uh, we're currently working with the states if we can get some funding there
1: could Uh, there be some type of uh, experience to see at the osearch location in mayport
6: that's exactly what we're talking about doing um we'll actually probably end up building three different, I'll say three structures. Uh, one would be an outreach education center that would be a destination that people could come and learn about sharks and marine life, ocean, St. John's River, etc. cetera. Um, we've had some conversations with the Marine Science Center, for instance, at Mayport, uh, about doing some stuff with them and bringing school kids to do that. Um, and then we would also probably have a residential facility uh, we currently have a house right there on the property that we have graduate students living in, but we also have visiting scientists that want to come. And the idea of having the ship here at Mayport and the ability to do opportunis- opportunistic sampling very quickly, just move, you know, take the ship off for a couple of days, yeah. um, makes a whole lot more sense than having to ramp up for a big expedition for weeks at a time. So we've got some real opportunities there to do some things. and. Then we would have a ship repair facility. Um, and we're also looking at building a 45-foot catamaran uh, vessel that would stay at Mayport that we could use not only to do shark research, but also to do marine ramble rescue and things like that. So, you so know,
0: you're talking about outboard, 45-foot catamaran outboard? Yes. Yes, okay. Yeah.
6: Um, and that's already been designed. It's, it's pretty pretty cool little yeah. boat that you could then... Bring. Pretty cool <laughs> little boat, 45 yeah, foot. 45. <laughs> well, we have a 45 foot down, we have a 65 foot design, um, different capacity, obviously. And But the idea with, that, with the catamaran, whereas right now we can only operate in certain seas because the lift goes off the side of the boat. And for stability issues, you can't do that with very high seas. I got gotcha. you. But the catamaran would be a much different system, basically, because you'd have the lift between the two. Yeah, pontoons. so you're
1: looking at potentially replacing the crab boat that you currently have, which adding, is O-Search, adding, or adding to, adding it, adding to it. it. Okay, yeah. I got you.
6: And um, We've also explored the idea of building these smaller boats around the world, and because we now know that sharks are around the world, so we would love to go do some work in the Mediterranean and in Europe, because there's been virtually nothing done over there. Right. And so th- the potential is, is mind-boggling. It, it really is it's sort awesome. of amazing. And, and we've talked about building, some, for instance, some tanks at Mayport that we could actually hold sharks in, and and do some experiments. <laughs> Dr. Brian Franks are actually in the process of building three tanks right now to hold um, stingrays, mm. and so we're going to do some of that at at That'd MSRI. be cool. Yeah, so yeah part of the
1: part of the experience that you could have at Mayport. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so that's it's, cool. It's, well, you guys got a lot of got, lot going on. Oh,
6: it's it's. It really is. I get excited about it. Uh, they keep talking about my retiring, and I keep saying, "Yeah, okay, I want to retire." And then, it, well, you got to do this first. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll see. All
1: right. Well, Doc, we appreciate Thank you coming. You so in. Much. Thank you for coming in and uh, and spending some time with us. And uh, Happy to do it. And before you have camps, I mean, just feel free to call and plug it. Okay. And let us know Please. again and remind us, and, and we'll be happy to get the information out on the air. All right. Great deal. Thanks. Take so stuff. thank you. Dr. Quint White, Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute Executive Director. And, uh, folks, you can go to JU's uh, Marine Research Institute website to learn more and to find out all kinds of goodies about OSEARCH, et cetera. All right. Let's take a break here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Reuter. We are live at Atlantic Coast Marine. They got giveaways, the whole nine yards, and we'll talk about that and more right after this, right here again on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. Welcome back to the Nimnik Family of Dealerships Outdoor Show. We are live on location at Atlantic Coast Marine, and they've got uh, some serious cooking going on 11.30 lunch is going to be served, but in the meantime, you can come out and uh, make a donation and uh, put your name in a hat, and they're going to be drawing for four outboard motors, a trolling motor, four $200 gift cards to strike zone, 100-hour services for outboards, a push pole. I mean, they got all kinds of giveaways here at Atlantic Coast Marine, and again, come on out because uh, the food's going to be served at 11.30. Get your name in the hat now. They're going to do the drawings around 1 o'clock. Uh, right now, though, let's do a tide report brought to you by Angie Subs, the best sub shop in Jacksonville, just down the road from where we are, one road over on Beach Boulevard, right there at the corner of Beach and Penman, and they've got the best subs, the best French fries in town. The tides for today, 11:06 a.m. is going to be your high tide at Mayport. 4:41 p.m. is a low tide tomorrow you're looking at going tomorrow morning the low tide is at 5 31 a.m so you'd be fishing incoming water for most of the day and then a weather report report. brought to you by the beard pig best barbecue in jacksonville
0: (laughs) uh so the rest of the day it's gonna be beautiful today south winds at five uh seas around three feet uh tonight drastic change west winds 10 to 15 becoming north 15 to 20 after midnight sunday northeast 15 to 20 uh, diminishing in the afternoon. And then Monday, northeast winds around 10 knots. Tuesday, east winds 10 to 15 knots. Wednesday, south winds 10 to 15 knots. Uh, and then finally, it looks like on Wednesday night and Thursday, Kirk, we, we might get some off, I mean, some, some offshore winds and get this ocean where it's supposed to be.
2: Yeah, it looks like we're going to get some participation uh, this week, too. They're talking about rain this afternoon, rain on Wednesday 50%. chance of rain next Friday and Saturday. So there'll be a little bit of rain mixed in with this
1: weather. Yeah, that's for sure. Going to be a little wet. All right, let's do a a Kirby Co. Builders cooking tip of the week. Kirby Co. Builders, industry leader and proven provider of framing, drywall, interior, exterior, and finishing on both commercial and residential products. And earlier on, I was talking about some of the food that we ate while we were in Kentucky, and one of the famous – Recipe is what they call a Kentucky hot brown which is this open-faced sandwich that uh, I've never heard of until – when we were actually on the drive to Kentucky, and I was like, I wonder what Kentucky's famous for food-wise. That's where I found out that mutton barbecue is one of the things that they're known for. I bet that's pretty good, though. I'm sure it is. I, I would love some of that. I mean, look, I – I love of lamb. lamb. I, I mean, love who, lamb. Who doesn't like rack of lamb?
2: I'll eat uh, the I mean, heck out of yeah. lamb. And I've had goat, too. It's not bad.
1: So this uh, <laughs> recipe, we pulled it up so you can actually make this, and it's uh, it's a really it's a really cool little recipe, and it we pulled it off of food and wine and so you can go there and it's called the kentucky hot brown it's got a five-star rating and it's from uh star chef bobby flay okay it's bobby his recipe flay. okay i've heard he's famous not that i'm a yeah he's he is a chef got Cook, you know him
2: right yeah he's got a couple of tv shows so he's definitely on the food network all over it
1: all right basically it's an open faced turkey sandwich with a with like a cheese gravy sauce mm. and bacon on top of, like, Texas toast, and it's kind of browned in the oven. It's good now. How can you go wrong with that? Put bacon on dirt, and it's good. (laughs) Yeah. You could put it on a piece of bark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, check it out. It's on our Facebook. It's also on our Instagram page. And as you can always check out different posts that we have, and if you want to see the pictures from when uh, when we were in Kentucky this week, uh, you can check it out on our Facebook and Instagram page as well. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Let's bring up Mr. Jimmy Knight, who had – one heck of a turkey hunt in Alabama. Good morning, Jimmy. Morning, guys. Y'all busy good, today. more busy. Yeah, we are
8: busy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good show. Good show. A lot of information. Thank you.
1: So, congratulations. Uh, you and your crew look like you had some great experiences with turkey in Alabama.
8: Yeah, using a word they've been using quite a bit. It was very unprecedented. <laughs> it was a very, very great day. We- I mean, the first day, y'all kill what, five or six birds? Well, uh, first day, two, second day, two, the third hunt got two more. So we got six and three hunts. Oh, okay. I saw that picture. I figured that was all one. Where,
1: day. where, where are you hunting at? And then, uh, whose land are you on a lease or what, or guides or how does that work?
8: This is up in Alabama with a good friend of ours. He has, uh, some private land up there and, uh, he invites us up every year to go up to a three day turkey hunt and, uh. Uh, he he put on the show this year. there's no doubt, we had a great time.
0: So so Jimmy, you guys know the property well by now. You've been you've been hunting there. I mean, when you get up in the mornings, or you, you, are you like okay, you go to A block, you go to B block, you go to C block? I mean, how 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 are you figuring out who goes where?
8: Yeah, we just yeah you know, just sit around and talk. So all right, we've seen birds here, here, right. and here. You know, and, and there was a total of six of us, so we paired up in twos. And, okay. Uh, said, all right, I, I won't be over in this area. I won't be on the here and over here, so we don't get on top of each other. So,
1: That's uh, a good way to do it in pairs. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, and then you get to yeah. share the experience with you know one of your yeah. buddies. That's and, a blast. Yeah, and then sometimes you. One calls, one's on the gun, or however you want to do yeah, it. Yeah, you know,
0: because the, like, this year, either Kerry was with me mm-hmm. or or Aaron mm-hmm. was with me most of the time. And, then, and yeah. then the last couple, three hunts that I hunted, I was by myself. And I'm like, damn, it's
8: kind of lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hunt by myself this year. <laughs> you know? well, the, guy, so, the guy I was hunting with, he's never shot a turkey. He's been hunting about three years. So uh, oh, that's I awesome. call for him and uh, that yeah. was the best part of the hunt i got a bird fine but just you know him you know after three years finally sealed the deal at 605 it was done wow in the morning yeah it, uh, it,
1: it's funny you say that in uh, this week when um, you know my brother-in-law brad was out and his first time ever turkey hunting and he had the greatest experience that you could possibly have, all of us when we turkey hunt, and Jimmy, you know this when you turkey hunt you 're trying mm-hmm. to get the show. you mm-hmm. want to hear the goblin right. you want to see yep. the strutting right. and that 's what you're absolutely I agree that 's why you turkey yep. hunt and so my brother in law mm-hmm. had that, but he saw these birds from two hundred yards away, they worked their way all the way into thirty five and so they gobbled wow. and strutted the whole way in nice, and I was talking to uh, Uh, Andy, the head guide, or the guy that owns the lodge, there, and he said, uh, you know, his son Zach or his his nephew Zach was guiding Brad, and and Zach said, man, that gun barrel was dancing all over the place.
4: (laughs) 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 And Brad, Brad
1: admitted that you know that he was excited and the gun was moving a lot. And I'm like Brad, I said, that's I've been doing this for many years, and that's why you do it. Absolutely, that's That's why you do it. So, but that's the experience you want to get. Is the you hear the goblin? You see the strutting, and it's the yeah. game back and forth.
8: Yeah, yeah, and and you defied gra- uh, nature by you calling him to you and instead of him. Hey, here I am. Come to me. That, so that, that's exactly right.
1: Well, congratulations, yeah. Jimmy. Great job, and man, uh, are you still at it? or Are you guys back?
8: No, we're back. We got back Wednesday, so uh, we're back. I'd be there with y'all, but I got a statewide emergency radio thing I'm doing now. This morning. Oh yeah, Try, try not to let that a thing a... go off at four forty-five in the morning. Oh. Hey, hey, let me tell you what—that's what, what farmers experience every day. <laughs>
0: Three, four, five <laughs> times is, a night. That, so. That's that's funny. You should say that. <laughs> they, they probably do. Man, that scared
1: me to death.
5: The Amber oh. Alert. Yeah, yeah, the Amber Alert. Uh, yeah,
8: yeah. But anyhow, yeah, I just wanted to say uh, congratulations to Bob. He's one shot that turkey and and uh, and Hugh for you know taking us up there. But yeah, good time by all. So. Thank you, guys. Okay, buddy. All right, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, cool.
1: Jimmy. All right, uh, real All right, quick. Uh, there's an event going on tonight from the Jacksonville Offshore Sport Fishing Club. Let's, Let's talk to Mr. Tim Carney real quick and and find out about. It. Good morning, Tim.
5: Hey, good morning, guys. Just getting back hey, uh, with
1: 15. You hear me? Yeah, we got you. Hey, by the way, thank you for the fish dip, and yes. uh, we got about a minute to spend with you. Tell us what's going okay. on tonight.
5: Uh, got a thousand dollars worth of oysters. Um, just getting back from St. Augustine, $65 to get in the door. Sailfish Pop Party, 64th Annual. Roger Walker's throwing it. Got uh, Rick Cannon uh, is going to give us a Yamaha motor for one of the door prizes. Got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, really, really good show, guys, with Mr. Quentin White. He's a real good friend of mine. And I'm going to try to get around there. I'm over here at the Legion now. Try to get around there before he leaves. But uh, Yeah, come on. Yeah, really good show, man. I'm glad I could get thank. by and see you guys this morning.
0: Yeah, thank you again, Tim,
2: for the fish dip. It's so so, outstanding. So, other than just oysters oh. tonight, you got steaks, too?
5: Steaks, uh, chicken wings. We got baked potato salad. Um, man, you you cook your own steak. We got all the grill set up. Um, it's a great time, man. All, you know, keg beer, everything you could want. And uh, $65, you know, oysters are going for about a dollar a piece at the restaurant. Yeah. So, um, wow. you could. You could you could kill some oysters over here for 65 bucks, and they are salty. New Smyrna, kind of St. Augustine from Harry Price. I mean, they're so salty, it's, it's ridiculous. And so clean they're and the clear. Best. So, they are um, the best. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like you say, I, I appreciate you guys. And uh, I'll see you around there in this little while. I'm going to buy a bunch of tickets and stuff and uh, try to help help Brett out with that. Uh, that sounds like a really good uh, organization. You're getting Absolutely. that money for it.
1: All right, Tim, and we appreciate I, hey, hey, I, yep.
5: I got, I got my free Angie sub yesterday from, for the birthday, and it was uh, excellent.
1: All right, well, happy birthday. We got to go. Thank yep. you, Tim. We'll see you in a little you, bit buddy. here. See you all later. Atlantic Coast yep. Marine. Big thank you to Atlantic Coast Marine and Brett Cannon for having us out here today. And, again, they've got food, raffle items, a little donation, and you can get your name in the bucket. And uh, we appreciate him. And Dr. Quentin White, thank you for sitting in with us. We always appreciate him. He's a, a wealth of knowledge that uh, we need to get on more often. I can yeah, tell you that. Yeah,
0: I, I, I enjoy, totally enjoy having him on. It's, uh, Kirk and I could keep him here for, like, days. We actually to do a podcast with Dr. Quentin White, so we should do. <laughs> Folks, remember, anything you do in the outdoors, always think safety first. Jeff Lagerman, Captain Kirk Waltz, Dr. Quentin Wine, I'm Captain Kevin Favor. Y'all have a great weekend. See ya. See ya.
1: See ya. Learn something new and get away from it all.